The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Alrighty, welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We got a full house today. We got a full, full, full show today. Three fulls. We got three teams to cover today. Uh, two of them being from the capital city of Madison. So we are actually going to start uh, Mike in the spirit already with the jersey on. We're going to start with Badgers basketball. Then we're going to discuss the Badgers' loss to Ohio State and preview their matchup with Indiana. And then we will bid adieu to Mike for this week. And then Jake and I are going to cover the three Milwaukee Bucks games from last week. So, jumping into it, um, we're going to save AJ Store and Nolan Winter for when we get to the impact meter because those two are both in our top eight rotational players. So, we will talk about them when we get into the impact meter. So, AJ Store, Nolan Winter. Then we have Gus Yeldon. And John Blackwell, a couple of freshmen. Um, start with Gus Yeldon. Um, we're going to start with the fact that he is stepping away from the team uh, as of today for personal reasons. Uh, he's still enrolled at school, and he's still going to be with the um, the student faculty um, relations services. I, I believe is what they what they phrase it as. But um, he is stepping away from the team for personal matters. First and foremost, we want to say we hope it's nothing serious. Um, we hope everything is good for, for Gus and for his family. Um, so we'll start with that. But that said, uh, Mikey, what are you looking at for Gus Yeldon, baby Jokic to bring to the Badgers basketball team? Uh, just an, uh, first and foremost, another big who can help out, but whether if he does play this year behind big Steve and, um, you know, rotating even with a guy, uh, a guy like Carter Gilmore too, who's only got that six, eight, six, nine frame to play the five spot potentially. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned it with baby Jokic. He's got one hell of a post game as well. Uh, you watch any of his AAU clips and they're just filthy with some of the stuff he can do. And just bringing, you know, intensity. I mean, when, when you're watching it, when you watch him play, I mean, the dude's not quiet, to say the least. Um, you know, when he makes a play, he, he lets you know about it for sure. So uh, just bringing that intensity um, as well to, to the game. And, um, you know, we can always use another great post player. I mean, Wisconsin's known for that as well. Uh, sure. So, no, so no I'm, I'm looking forward to those kinds of things for, for Gus Yeldon. Uh, Jake, what stands out to you about Gus Yeldon, what he can bring as a freshman? So it's fitting that his nickname is Gus Bus because this man could definitely carry a team on his back. Um, I had that one ready in the chamber. I'm so proud of that one. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a little bit of old school swag, man, talking about his, his post game. He's got some really, really good footwork. Uh, Mikey pointed out one of the things that I like about him is I like how vocal he is. Uh, there's different ways to lead. And being a guy that could dominate you and tell you to your face that he's dominate you, dominating you, that does something for a team. It gives it gives you that juice, right? Um, so I, I like Gus Yeldon for those reasons. I would love to see him uh, back with the team playing, getting some minutes this year. That would be phenomenal. I was really, I'm really, really excited for him. Um, I think he's going to be a really good player, and I think that he fits the Wisconsin brand of basketball. So uh, that's that's what I think of Gus Yeldon. I think he's going to be phenomenal. So he is six ten, 
And his words since he's gotten to Wisconsin that he's lost 42 pounds. Holy uh, he looks like he's in pretty good shape. <clears throat> um, one of his goals actually with his, his strength and conditioning over the summer was to run a half marathon, and he did that. So that's already more than I could do. There's not a chance that I'm running a half marathon. Um, <laughs> with Gus Yeldon, he's, he's essentially a three-level scorer. He can score in the paint. He's got some mid-range, and he will shoot the three if you leave him open. Um, Mike alluded to it where if you watch his AAU highlights, it's just tons of highlights. It's He's got really crafty footwork, and he's very smart with his pump fakes. So that's that's my big thing with Gus Yeldon is, is the footwork. And then he's talking about with his work, and I just love this as far as relating to anything you want to accomplish in life, is putting a penny in the jar every day. Hmm. I like that. I love that quote from Gus Yeldon. So I'm going to, I think I'm going to hold on to that actually. Um, good. <laughs> um, Mike, what about John Blackwell? What do you see him bringing to the team? Uh, just tenacity on defense. I, I actually have a somewhat comparison in some regard at with Chucky Hepburn, honestly. Uh, they've, They've made it, the staff's made it clear already that he's already competing with, you know, AJ stores, Chucky Hepburns, like in, in practice already. So I think we might not bring him up in the impact meter, but he actually dark horse, he might get a few minutes for us this year. Uh, you just he hear about his competitive drive in practice, uh, but his defense is what really sticks out. This is why I think Gardo and, and the staff uh, brought him in. They, they, they made it clear that they love his uh, defensive mindset, so to speak. So, um, I wish I could watch more. I wish I would have watched more film on him. So what I did catch is that um, he's just going to be in your face, just a straight up ball hawk. Um, yeah, like similar to how like Chucky plays defense on the top of a key, on top of the key versus like opposing teams point guards as well. It's another one of those types of players. So uh, just another Wisconsin uh, type point guard, honestly. I think at the end of the day, uh, Jake, what are you thinking about John Blackwell? Yeah, so John Blackwell is a four-star uh, rated recruit. He's number 84 in ESPN's top 100. Um, and, yeah, that's the first thing that you see when you watch his film is he is an absolute dog on defense. Uh, he doesn't care if you're the number one scorer in the nation. He's going to take that assignment, and he's going to give you everything that you can handle. You're going to work for your points when you're going against John Blackwell. Um, he's a little bit more of a combo guard on the offensive side. In my opinion, uh, he could play with the ball and off the ball, which is obviously a really big thing, you know, talking about Wisconsin style of play, right? Uh, so he's going to fit in just fine. Uh, he was rated, before I, I end this, he was the number 26 rated combo guard in the entire country. So that's pretty pretty damn solid. Uh, he's going to fit in just fine. I think he. Uh, we're not going to lose much uh, when Chucky leaves. I think John Blackwell will take that and keep that point guard position looking good. Although we have a guy coming in next year who's pretty good too. Um, and, and don't, don't sleep on Kamari McGee. He's, he's made yeah. some, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Kamari McGee. He's in our, he's in our impact meter. So we'll talk about him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with me, what I noticed with John Blackwell, speed, athleticism, and he can shoot. He's another guy like, uh, like Gus, who I think is actually capable of being a three level scorer. Um, that might change a little bit when he gets to playing some taller defenders in the big 10. Um, you know, it's not just Zach Eady, but just in general, <laughs> but He's he seems to have the ability to get to the paint and then he can shoot the mid range and the three point shot. Um, and <clears throat> watching him talk, he knows that competing and playing defense is his path to playing time as a freshman. So he's already well aware of that. So he's got, you know, he's got his uh, 
his focus on the right things that he knows are going to get him on the court. Mm-hmm. He's got the and frame too. They made as, that clear as well. Uh, just the frame of a college ready body, ready to yeah. go already with John yeah. Blackwell. And that's also been said multiple times with this staff. So um, just another reason to go on top of what you just said. Yeah. Um, what I'll say is with AJ store, Nolan winter, Gus Yeldon and John Blackwell, all of them, when they're being interviewed, all of them brought up Tyler wall, and then uh, Nolan Winter and Gus Yeldon both brought up Stephen Crowell. And then uh, John Blackwell and A.J. Storer both brought up Chucky Hepburn as guys who helped them acclimate to the team. So just seeing those three making some leadership-type uh, strides is something that I just wanted to kind of bring up and, and just give them a little bit of credit for. So uh, good on them for doing that. With that said, uh, we're going to go – I have this kind of listed as the the players that we we brought up. So the order that I have them in, I don't know if you guys have them in the same order or not, but I have Chucky Hepburn, Connor Asijan, AJ Store, Tyler Wall, Stephen Crowell, Kamari McGee, Nolan Winter, and Carter Gilmore as the the eight players that we have to talk about uh, for our impact meter. So, Mike, starting on the impact meter, um, what's your what's your number on Chucky Hepburn? I got a, I got a nine point five with uh, with Ooh. Chucky. Um, you know, I, last year when you're you're looking at the end of the game, if we're strictly looking at the end of the game, right? Who are we going? Who's the guy taking those last second shots? Um, you know, it, it was Chucky Hepburn probably about ninety five percent of the time. I can maybe think Max Klesman might have done it a couple other times prior as well. Yeah, but sure. uh, no, Chucky gets the ball at the end of the game. Was it? Did we like the setup exactly? Not all the time, but at the end of the day, this guy will take the shots for us. Um, He's our go go to guy if we need like a three or any sort of a jump shot. Um, you know, average twelve, a little over twelve a game last year. Um, you know, four, I think yeah, he was forty point five percent from three, which is good. Um, and then he could improve on the free throw percentage, seventy one point eight. I'm gonna talk about all that later, but um, you know, this is his third year, third year with the program now. Um, he's been through it all. He's been in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, he's had his highs and lows with the program as well, but he's got the experience, probably the most experienced with the exception of Tyler Wall uh, with, with the program. So I'm looking forward to him having a big year for us. And, uh, but no, he's right up there for me. Um, I forgot to put Max Klesman on the list as well. So we can, we can throw him on the list as well. I forgot to put him on. Uh, Jake, what do you have Chucky Hepburn at on your impact meter? I am as a nine. So I thought I was going to be the highest on this, but Mikey hits me with the, the 0.5 over here. Uh, how you doing, Reggie? We're doing good, man. Hope you're doing good. Um, Chucky Hepburn, I mean, obviously, point guard. That's a pretty important position, especially, you know, at Wisconsin. Big 10. Uh, point guard has been a dominant position. The, the best teams have good point guards, right? So for Chucky, um, he's going to need to be a little bit more efficient scoring-wise. Uh, sometimes he seems hesitant. He can go to the hole. He could dominate you that way. But he seems to settle for some jump shots that he doesn't need to. Not that he's a bad jump shooter, but if you could dominate somebody down low, dominate somebody down low. So that's what I'm looking for. Chucky is a little bit better decision making when scoring, and you know he's a good playmaker. But you know this, th- we gave you the keys last year, right? When Johnny Davis left, take the damn car, drive it fast. Okay, that's all I want. So Mike has him at nine and a half. Jake has him at nine. Uh oh, ten. I knew it. Ten. <laughs> When you shook Chucky your head, I was like, oh, ten. He is the engine of the offense for the Badgers. He's, in my opinion, he's the engine of the defense, too. 
uh, as far as, especially on the perimeter. Um, maybe one other guy, the guy that I forgot to put on the list. Um, but <clears throat> with Chucky Hepburn, not only is he also lost weight in effort to be quicker, but <clears throat> we've seen as Chucky Hepburn goes, so go the Badgers. The the times that we've seen Chucky Hepburn struggle, it's it's been the whole team that has struggled with it because Chucky Hepburn is really the engine of the team as the driver of the car that Jake's talking about as the point guard of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's throw in, let's throw in Max Plesman right away, just while he's in the front of mind. Uh, Mikey, if you had to put a number one through 10, uh, Chucky, not Chucky, Max Klesmet, his impact on the team. Oh, this is a nine in my, in my view. Um, I don't think people realize how important Max Klesman was last year to our team. This is one of the best transfers I think you could argue in the Big Ten. Who is guarding the opposing team's best guy? It was Max Klesman. Eight and a half, eight and a half points per game, two, um, almost three rebounds a game, 38% from three. Um, but he, I mean, he was averaging over 30 minutes a game as well. And, uh, you know, he was our go-to guy from three at times. I think it was against Michigan when he just absolutely went berserk and carried the team single-handedly the last four or five minutes of the game. I think he scored like 10 straight points. But uh, this is another guy who just brings a bunch of experience, first and foremost. Uh, He's going to, I think, he's going to be called upon multiple times once again this year uh, to hit those big shots for us. It's going to be a committee by committee. And, you know, Klesman, you know, Defensively, offensively, I think he can be pretty, pretty dangerous. So, uh, both sides of the both sides of the ball, he's absolutely a nice fit for Wisconsin. And credit to the staff for picking him up when we could. Uh, Jake, what would you put one through ten on Max Klesman on his impact? If I had to put a number on the former Nina Rocket, I'd give him a seven. Really? Um, it's not that I don't think that he's you know not important. It's just that there's probably a couple other people that I have above him, uh, at least three uh, that come to mind that I have that have higher numbers. Uh, Max is a, a great player. Uh, he, he shows toughness, grit, uh, as Wisconsin's kind of getting known for, for their football team and, and basketball team. Um, he, he's a hard-nosed defender. Uh, he's a big shot taker. Uh, that's an important key to have if you're going to be a D1 prof- uh, basketball player. But uh, Klesman's a good player. I just I don't think that he's one of the top three important guys on this roster. So I'll give you guys a spoiler alert. I only have one six and one seven on the list. The rest of my guys are eight, nine, or ten. Oh damn! So yeah, um, I, I see a lot of importance for these these rotation players. But um, like Mike, I also have Klesman as a nine. You guys both brought up his defense and three point prowess. Uh, I think there was at least three games last year where Max Klesman made a final uh, play in the final minute of the game that was ultimately a deciding factor in whether the, in whether the Badgers won or not. So his Marquette, gene yeah. should be brought up. Yes. Good call. <clears throat> um, Reggie said, I wish I knew more about college ball. I don't know how to interact. Well, hey, stick around with us. We're going to talk about all the games this year. Um, all right. Next guy on the list, Mike Connor Asijan. Where do you have his impact meter? One through ten. I got another. I'm sorry. I got another nine on this. Um, you know, last year, if it wasn't for Connor Asijan in multiple games, I have no clue what this team's record would have been. Um, you, you know, it's crazy. I don't think any of us could have predicted how much of an impact he did make on the team last year. I mean, we, you know, in this program, 
it's not that often when you get a true freshman to come in and average, you know, 25 plus minutes a game. And here he's doing that four to five games. And, you know, you think of countless games. I think of Kansas off the top of my head uh, where he, that, that was his wake up, his uh, coming out party, uh, yep. just hitting those strings. Yeah. I think we were down 15, 15, 16 points. And he led that chart, that comeback for us. Um, and Still absolutely. Yeah. And we absolutely got robbed with uh, yep. the Kansas defense, our offensive player stepping on the line. But, yep. um, you know, a Asijan, you know, he's got – he's by far the best free throw shooter on the team, 88.4%, and it's not even remotely close with who's next after that. Uh, he's 36% for, from three, which is which is good, which is what we, we need for Great for a sure. basketball player. For a true freshman, too. Yeah. Um, you know, 11.7 points per game. I mean, this guy, you know, he bailed us out multiple times, too. I think, yeah, like I said, Kansas, Marquette, you can probably think about – you know, many other games along the line, but I'm so excited. I think he's one of the best pure shooters we've had in this program. Jesus. I, I I'm going to say since Bronson Koenig, I would say, cause that dude could shoot lights out, but sure. um, just every time he puts the ball up, it seems like it's going in. Like it is that deadly of a shot. So, um, you know, it puts on a little more 10 pounds worth of muscle. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do on the defensive side of the ball as well, because um, that is one area where he struggled last year. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's young. He's a true sophomore going into this year and I'm looking forward to what we can uh, we can see from him. So I have Connor as an eight because Ooh. of that reason for defense. He does still need work defensively. Seeing him in the scrimmage, he's. He looks not not exactly the same, but he looks similar defensively to how he did last year. Um, he had some flashes here and there defensively, and then we know what we're getting from him on the offensive side of the ball. We're getting a pure shooter. That's what he's here for. So uh, I have Connor Sejan as an eight. Jake, what do you have Connor as? I have as a nine. Um, he's the floor spacer. Um, he's the guy when you're coming out of an out of bounds. Uh, I know that we give the ball to Chucky, but the opposing coaches, when they're in the huddle and they have to guard us and they know that we're going to take a jump shot, I promise you 10 out of 10 times they are mentioning somebody guard Connor Asijin because, like Mike said, he has a beautiful jumper. And, yes, it does look like it's going in every single time. When he yep. shoots the ball, I, I'm, I'm hand in the air. That's a three-pointer. And you know what? I'm right a lot of the times because he's a great shooter. So, um Another year, you know, with the program, with the weight staff, uh, hopefully he put on some strength. Uh, we're going to be able to see here pretty soon. Um, but, yeah, defensively, I think that would help him more is putting on the strength. I don't think offensively it's going to matter too much because he's a jump shooter, right? I mean, not that it couldn't hurt for him to add some dribble drive ability to his game, but he's a jump shooter. And if he could become a 3 and D player, uh, that is his way into the NBA because, like Mike said, stole my thunder. He's a great free throw shooter. He he should essentially basically like try to not not the way he acted in college, but he should try to like roll himself after Grayson Allen. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Grayson Allen was a good player for us. He's a big Tyler Hero fan. I know that. Mm. Connor, is he really? Is, yeah, he's a big Tyler Hero fan. Tyler Hero is not a bad guy to be a fan of. I mean, you just see what he yeah. just did to the Bucks. I was say, at least thirty, right? Or pretty close to that. At least yeah. offensively, it was over yeah. thirty. Yeah, he had thirty-five. Um, <clears throat> all right, Jake, I'll let you go first this time because I, I'll, uh, I'll give you a chance to talk before Mike, so Mike's not taking all your notes. <laughs> well, what do you have, AJ Store, on the impact meter? 
Dude, this was – I hate that you made me go first. This was probably the hardest one that I had because you watch this guy's film, and he was a 40% three-point shooter. The guy literally flies through the air like he's walking on it, right? Now, let me go back here. We, we changed things, so I wrote some things down about him. Um, I told I told Tyler on another podcast that we were on, I'm not calling him AJ Store. I'm calling him AJ Soar because that guy flies, dude. Just – Unreal jumping ability. Um, he was a 2023 all all freshman team in the Big East. That's a big deal. Big East is a good basketball conference. Yep. Uh, he was a three-time Big East freshman of the week. He averaged 8.8 points, 1.9 rebounds, 0.8 assists. Shot 43% from the field and 40% from three-pointer. So, like I said, this guy can get to the rim. He can fly, jump with, with the best of them. And he has a good three-point ball. So I don't know how you're going to defend this guy in the Wisconsin offense where Chucky Hepburn is is running the point, Stephen Krause picking and popping. Um, here's one more thing on AJ's store. He started the final 17 games of the season. He he upped his average up to 12 points per game. He hit double figures 11 times in those 17 games. So he when he got more playing time, he was more efficient. He scored more. So. 6'7", 205, dude. I mean, that's great size for an NBA player, right? And we're talking about college, right? So I think A.J. Store, he has a chance to to make a big impact. I only had him at a 7. I know I'm going to be wrong about this. I just have a feeling I wanted to be safe. Mike, what do you have A.J. Store at? Yeah, I got 8. I mean, Ah. and that's to be be determined, you know, right? That's what it's going – It's that's what I'm going off of. I mean, yeah. this is, I think this is what's going to, you know, help Wisconsin get to help get to the free throw line, help get, you know, better shots. I mean, this is what exactly what we need. Some guy that can, a guy that can get to the bucket, get to the free throw line, make plays there, just bringing in a guy who's got a bunch of athleticism to bring, because that is something that we missed last year. I mean, we, we did shoot a ton of threes, but I think that also had to do with the fact that, we didn't have the athletes necessarily. I mean, I think this is honestly the perfect replacement for the type of offense we want to run. I mean, it's already, you know, in practice, you know, guards already been talking about they it's been more up tempo in practice as well. They're getting more open rhythm shots, open rhythm threes. So I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to this addition as well because we're going to need AJ store to have a big year for us. If you want to go anywhere, uh, but yep. no, Jake, you, you broke it all down with the stats. I won't go further on that. Um, played in the Big East, like you said, that's a great, great conference. I'm just looking forward to, you know, getting more opportunities for not just him, but for our guys that can hit those outside shots with like less with less duress too. So that's all I'll say on that. So you guys both brought up the athleticism and the three-point shooting. I'm a little surprised that neither of you mentioned that AJ Store could be a big piece for the Badgers to actually get some transition baskets. That's... Yeah, open. Yeah, that's something that's it's been missing from a lot of Wisconsin basketball because of the pace of play they play with. So adding an an athletic, quick uh, guy that can just go and dunk on people in transition, I think that is an interesting addition to this Badgers team. AJ Store averaged one point three one points per possession in transition last year. That's good. That's very good. Um, so he also shot 59% on field goals on catch and shoot opportunities and 42% on above the break three point shots. 
So he's a very, very good three-point shooter. So I do also have him as an eight, and he's another guy who could really be a three-level scorer. All right, Mike, I'll go back to you for this one to go first. Tyler Wall, what do you have him on the impact meter? I got a tan, a tan, a tan. <laughs> Who you get Billy Bob from, from Varsity Blues? A tan. Um, that movie's you know, awesome. Yeah. So it, for me, it wasn't that hard uh, to give Tyler Wall a ten. I mean, going into this year before he decided to commit, Greg Gard told him, you know, not one player in. Badger basketball history has won three big 10 titles. You could be the first one to do that. So I think that resonated with him first off, you know, this is a guy who's, who's he's the glue guy. I think with his team, he's got the toughness. He's obviously got the size. The one stat I do want to bring up before he went down last year, the Badgers were 11 and two, three and zero in conference before he went down. When he came back and he was out for the next three games, we were six and nine when he came back. And clearly we, we talked about it numerous yeah. times in the chat. He was not a hundred percent at all. No. So when you're looking at this, I feel like, well, with a healthy Tyler wall, you know, we're making the NCAA tournament for sure. Oh, yeah. Last year. Then some perhaps with, uh, you know, what playing six, maybe seven guys consistently a game. So, uh, with the additions, and now we have a healthy Tyler Wall coming back. You know, I obviously got high expectations, but no, that right there, in my view, just tells you how important he is uh, to this team. Obviously, got all the experience in the world. Uh, there's nothing that's not going to phase him at all. Um, you know, 11 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game. Obviously, needs to work on the free throws. We all know that. Uh, you know, and it's also been noted, in, I guess, numerous practice practices as of late he's been starting to shoot the three ball a little more who knows if that pans out uh this season uh, i think he tried a few last he made a couple last year but uh it's definitely not his bread and butter yeah um so you know i'm looking forward to ha- him having another uh, a big year for us hopefully he can stay healthy because i think you know we're gonna have a you know a great year if he can stay healthy for us so uh yeah that's the one stat i definitely want to bring up with him but to me he's definitely a tan uh, Jake, what do you have Tyler Wall as? I'm as a nine. I only have one player as a ten, but we haven't got to him yet. Huh? We haven't got to him. Um, All right. So Tyler Wall, obviously, uh, he's a great player. Uh, Mike, you brought up the the record, you know, before his injury. The thing that I appreciate about Tyler Wall is his feel for the game. Uh, he knows when he needs to take over and score. He knows when he needs to pass. Uh, he's obviously gives us a hundred percent on defense. Uh, he's a He's a great defender for being undersized every once in a while when he has to guard a big guy, right? Um, I love T-Wall. Uh, I'm really going to miss him when he leaves, man, because uh, I don't think I appreciated him enough. But he's been a great, great player, and he definitely shows what it means to be a Badger. So uh, that's all I have on T-Wall. Um, I also, like Mike, I have Tyler Wall as a 10. We saw, we saw the impact that it has on the team. We saw the Badgers struggle mightily. When he went down with his injury, and even when he returned, and he wasn't he wasn't his himself. Um, you could see his ankle injury affected his footwork, and it just he just wasn't the the healthy Tyler Wall. <clears throat> We've also seen Tyler Wall where he can score like eight, ten, twelve, sometimes fourteen straight points for the team, and and he can take over games that way. 
So we've seen that from Tyler Wall. So I, I really have Tyler Wall as a 10. Uh, he's going to be extremely important, in my opinion, this year. Uh, Jake, I'll go back to you for this one. See if this one is maybe your 10. Stephen Crowell. Good call. 10. <laughs> Good call. So the reason I have Stephen Crowell, I'm marking these down as we get them, get them done here. The reason I have Stephen Crowell as a 10, he is the only player on this roster that I believe if he steps his game up to the potential that he's supposed to be, the Badgers will reach new heights. I know what to expect from Jucky Hepburn. I know what to expect from Tyler Wall. I know what to expect from Connor Season, which is why all those guys are nines on my list. The one guy that's a 10 is a guy that has consistency as a problem. He can have a game where he has 20 points, 10 rebounds, and he plays good low post defense. The next game, he shoots a three-pointer bad. He's playing soft on defense. He's getting bullied down there. It's the Jekyll and Hyde, right? If Stephen Crowell becomes a consistent contributor, and I'm talking a guy that plays low post defense every game, I'm talking a guy that grabs nine to ten rebounds every game, a guy that shoots a three-pointer at a respectable clip. I'm not saying he has to dominate out there. He doesn't have to be Frank Kaminsky player of the year, right? But if he steps his game up and, and becomes consistent, I think the Badgers, sky is the limit. Uh, Mike, what do you have Stephen Crowell as? I love the Jekyll and Hyde comparison, Jake. I really do. I got I got Big Steve at a nine. Uh, you know, we saw we saw glimpses of when he was looking good, right? I mean, you go back to the NIT games against Bradley. I think it was Oregon too. Dude, he dropped the guy drops over thirty against Bradley, just like nothing. He and he was hitting everything. We're talking threes, jump shots. So we know he's capable of doing it, right? It's just putting mm-hmm. it all together. Uh, you know, there there was times when he was looking eh, a little bit. Um, you know, just from the free throw line as well, 63.4%, that's not going to cut it. Um, 30% from three, which is, you know, for a big man, you know, I guess, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but he had plenty of opportunities with that pick and pop, which is what the Wisconsin offense loves to do. So we definitely need him to be that John Luer from like three point line that can just hit those top of the key, you know, three point shots for us going into this year. We're obviously going to need his size against the Purdue's of the world. Um, you know, he's just, yeah, if he can just put it all together consistently for us, maybe not get a double, double every game, so to speak, but we definitely need him, you know, to step up his game. If we're going to take it, you know, quite a ways this year and potentially get the conference. So it doesn't have to be that he shoots like 40% from threes, but honestly, even if he goes from 30 to like 33. Yeah, correct. Exactly. That, that small increment of a, of an improvement. Um, <clears throat> I'll say I have Stephen Crowell as a nine. Um, I'm really looking to see if he put on muscle is really essentially what I'm looking at. I think that's going to be a big part of his defensive ability for this season. And then with Stephen Crowell, what I'll say is on a positive note, he had a knack for knocking down the clutch three. You know, he wasn't making them all game and hitting every three that he took, but he had a, a knack for making, you know, the one out of three that he made every game. Or it being the big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not not afraid of the moment is, I guess, what I'll say with, with Stephen Crow. Yeah. All right, Mike, what do you have Kamari McGee at as on the impact meter? So I put a, I put a seven um, pretty much on these bench players, I guess. But, uh, you know, Kamari McGee, as of right now, I'm going to put him the backup point guard to Chucky. I kind of mentioned before, maybe John Blackwell competes for minutes. 
um, is what it is. But, um, you know, Kamari McGee, you know, most recently in the red, when they had the team had the red white scrimmage, I mean, it was, you know, reported that he was the best player, not just for like a half or anything. He was the best player in the whole game. So that's very, very encouraging when, when you hear that. And when I think of Kamari McGee, he, he did cl- clutch up a few times last year for us. Uh, I think about the home game against Michigan when, when Chucky was out for a bit. I think about the Marquette game when Chucky got injured and he stepped up. He hit, I think it was eight points in the second, all in the second half or end of first, early second. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to definitely need him for a handful of games to get us through some minutes, whether it's for foul trouble or, you know, Chucky's just having a bad night. Uh, or whatever, but I mean, you know, he, he just got, it's just another guy who's coming in, who's now got a, a year of big 10 experience under his belt. Who's going to be, you know, used to playing in that big 10 environment as well. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to the growth for sure. Absolutely. With, with Kamari. Uh, Jake, what do you have Kamari McGee at? So <clears throat> we're going to see this year if uh, Chucky Hepburn has that extra gear, but a guy we know has that extra gear is Kamari McGee. That guy is quick. Um, he had kind of an up and down year, uh, had some up and down minutes last year, um, but you could definitely see a role for him. Um, I have met a six because I'm not really sure how much he's going to play. Uh, like Mike, you know, I was reading uh, like Mike. That's a good movie. Underrated, by the way. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I was uh, reading some stuff uh, on the Badgers basketball team the last couple of days and John Blackwell's name was coming up quite a bit. So. We'll see those those two seem like they're going to be going head to head this whole season. Kind of who's going to take the roles of backup point guard. But uh, yeah, I also read that tweet that Kamari McGee is uh, was the best player in the red and white game. So that makes that made me want to put him at like an eight. So I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's like dominating our entire team. And I like our roster. So I don't know what to do. But then you think about it. You're like in the season comes. He's going to be the backup point guard. He's going to be playing 10 minutes a game and he has a role and he's pretty good at it. So. Uh, we'll see what McGee has to offer, but Blackwell's right on his tail, man. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's 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 the thing is it's going to be Chuck, not Chucky. After Chucky, it's going to be Kamari McGee and John Blackwell, and it might not be right away. Whereas I agree with Mike that Kamari McGee is going to start the season as the backup point guard, but I think John Blackwell is going to be chomping at his heels, yeah, yeah. as soon as as soon as possible. To, to be trying to get that backup point guard role. And the thing that he has that Kamari doesn't is a little bit better size. Yes. Four, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so I do have Kamari as a six. If he can negate his size by being a pest, like okay. we saw with the red and white game where there was talking about how like, he was constantly in Chucky's pocket trying to get steals, um, that could be something that gets him on the court more. And then just looking for him to, when he does hit the court, when he's got the chance to make some impact threes, put him in. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to go first on this one because this is, I've been excited about this player since last fall. (laughs) So I'm going to go first for Nolan Winter. Um, And he is a freshman, but I already have him as an eight. Oh, my God. I Oh, just wait. It's going to get spicier when we get later. Oh my god. <laughs> I have Nolan Winter as an eight. I've been on the highest on the potential importance out of the three of us. I've been really looking forward to him since last last spring, especially when we were defending Greg Gard of wait until we get these guys in. Because we're getting baby Jokic and we're getting the Minnesota Gatorade player of the year, 
Nolan Winter. So he is six foot eleven. He's actually from the same hometown as Tyler Wall. He has yep. such a smooth looking jump shot. Yeah. And it takes no energy for him to shoot it. Yeah. Like it's just wrist and that's it. It's all on the Pure. wrist. Pure. And exactly. He so this is see what see if you stick with me here. Um, he said he's already put on 15 pounds since he got to Wisconsin. And I basically see him, if you haven't watched any of his tape, I basically see already as Nate Reavers with better defense. Yes. I lit I literally have a more polished Nate Reavers. That's what I wrote yes. down. Yes, <laughs> all right. I thought that's I thought that was a good way to put it. Like Badgers fans, if you know how Nate Reavers played, he was kind of a guy who could score anywhere and he was tall and thin which is what nolan winter is but i think nolan winter does have a better sense of how to use his body and his length defensively already than nate reavers did so i'm essentially seeing i'm essentially seeing nolan winter as a freshman already as what nate reavers was when he left wisconsin with some better defense and room to grow is the exciting part so i have more on nolan winter later spoiler alert but uh, Mike, what do you have Nolan Winter as on the impact meter? I got him at a seven and a half. Um, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's clear; it's been clear by guard he's going to be a part of the rotation. He made yeah. that clear probably starting probably about two weeks ago already. When he was in double figures in the red and white scrimmage too, mm-hmm. uh, as well as McGee. So that's another thing to point out. He's in the thick of things with the starters. You know, whether that's good for good for bad. The fact that he's like doing that already already i mean i get it he's he still might be a little skinny for big time play so to speak but we're still going to need him at the end of the day when we're playing as i said before when we're playing the purdue's or teams with a with more height than us uh this is another big body that's going to complement big steve um you know gilmore as well and i could even see some lineups where we see big steve and nolan winter in at the same time that would not shock me one bit uh, with this squad, uh, but this is just this is another pick and pop guy that can hit those threes for us from the wing, from the top of the key, um, eventually down the road consistently. I think what he's going to be doing that for us. So uh, Tyler definitely hit it on the other points. I said more polished Nate Reavers, another kid from Lakeville North, same high school as Tyler Wall and Nate Reavers as well. So uh, we got quite the pipeline that coming from uh, from that high school. So uh, that's yeah. that's always good to see. Jake, what do you got? What do you have for uh, Nolan Winter? Nolan Winter is going to be wearing number 31 for the Badgers, but he's number one in Tyler's heart. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) (laughs) He was the number two recruit in the state of Minnesota, the 2022-2023 Gatorade Player of the Year, uh, the AP Associated Press Player of the Year, the Max Preps Player of the Year, and the East Metro Player of the Year. If you're getting the picture, this guy's good at basketball. Um. He he averaged 23.4 points per game and 11.6 rebounds and shot 64% from the field. That is disgusting, dude. <laughs> for a guy that shoots a lot of jumpers, and, yeah. man, I wanted to point out his jump shot, too. For a guy who's 6'11", that thing, he shoots like a guard, dude. Like, it, he it's is smooth. naturally a shooter. Yeah. Um, It might be because his dad – Trevor Winter played for the Minnesota Golden Gophers and he was on the 1997 Final Four team for Minnesota. His mom played volleyball for Minnesota. So here, here's where I'm going to dig a little into the parents. Nolan has a 3.9 GPA uh, in the classroom, 
So clearly he used that brain and he said, I want to win something. So he came to Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was a coin flip, but not pretty much a coin flip between Minnesota and Wisconsin when he made his final yeah. decision. So uh, that's where the, that's where the, uh, the no out of state tuition between Wisconsin and Minnesota comes up. Yep. Yep. All right. That's last guy, Carter Gilmore, Mike, what do you have him at on the impact meter? It's another seven and a half. It's a seven and a half for me. Um, <laughs> You know, you know, it's, I mean, well, let's call it, let's call it how it is. You know, he wasn't the greatest on the offensive side of the ball. You, I don't want to call him a liability or anything like that, but let's just say he's not going to produce for us on that side, yeah. except get potential offensive rebounds. So where he made all of his impact and dirty work on the defensive end. I mean, even if he's six, eight, six, nine, like he was guarding the Zach Eadies of the world at times or yeah. any other six foot, 10, seven footer, like he, that was his job, especially if big Steve got in trouble. Uh, with in follow trouble, that was yep. his job. So uh, yeah. we're going to ask a lot more of him. I mean, it's already been Gardo already brought him up in terms of uh, he's looking forward to seeing some offensive production from him this year and just bring another year of experience to the table, which at the end of the day, um, retention is, you know, the key for, for this year's team, I think, and just bringing all that experience back. But no, I, I don't think he loses a any playing time at all because we are going to need him in some capacity um, instead of like a seven man rotation. I assume it's going to be eight, but I just don't see him, you know, dropping off in terms of minutes because um, we're going to need him, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And yep. hopefully if we can get a little bit of offensive production, whether that's even at the free throw line, that's just going to help us even more. Uh, Jake, what do you have for Carter Gilmore? So Mike got a 7.5 for Nolan winter. Jake has a 7.5 for Nolan Winter. Mike has a 7.5 for Carter Gilmore. Jake has an 8 for Carter Gilmore. Sorry, we are almost together on this ah, one. But damn, it's all good. Carter Gilmore is going to get a little bit more minutes. Um, he kind of got force-fed to, you know, learn how to play Big Ten basketball. And that's not an easy thing to get force-fed because you're going to get elbowed, beat up, pushed to the ground, and you're going to have to guard seven three guys that are players of the year. I mean, that's just what you're going to have to do. Sorry. Uh, but Carter Gilmore, man, um, I just respect him uh, for his heart, his hustle. Um, yeah, yeah. He's kind of like the Pat Connaughton on this Badgers team where, like, every time I watch a Bucks game, like, obviously, I'm you know, now I'm tuning in. I want to see Giannis dunk. I want to watch Dame shoot three-pointers, right? But when Pat Connaughton comes into the game, man, it's just like a different feeling of excitement for me because I'm like, is he going to get a bloody nose today? Is he going <laughs> to get poked in the eye? I don't know what's going to happen to Pat Connaughton, but he's probably going to get beat up. And I feel that way about Carter Gilmore too. And uh, he'll he's stay give you everything he's got, right? Right. So I, I just love I love Carter Gilmore's effort. That's what I love about him. And I know that's what Guard appreciates too. Yeah. <clears throat> so I have Carter Gilmore at a seven. Uh, you guys brought up his defense oh. and his hustle. Um, I also want to bring up his rebounding off the bench. You know, it might not seem like a big deal to have three, four, or five rebounds in a game, but that stuff does matter. Yeah. And, and that's that's impact that can be made. Uh, what I will say is he got a lot better from 2021-2022 season to the 2022-2023 season last year. So my thing with, with Carter Gilmore is, does he have another jump in him? Yeah. Uh, we talked about it at times last year where Greg Gard said that Carter Gilmore was the most improved player last season. So does Carter Gilmore have another jump in him like that to make that type of impression of his improvement? And like you guys alluded to, the offensive side of the ball is where he'll have the opportunity to showcase that the most. 
All right. So that being said, now that we've gone through the top nine in the rotation and what we think their impact will be on the team, Mike, give me the first of two record predictions, one from the head, one from the heart. Give me your record prediction from the head. So I'm going to throw out a stat for you guys real quick. Greg Gard brought, brought this up, and this is, I think, really, really vital because, you know, we were 20 and 15 last year, right? So Gard brought up 23 games, came down to the last four to five minutes, right? 13, we went 13 and 10 on those. Eight of those losses, we had the lead, okay? Now, that being, yeah, we had the lead. Now, this is like my... I would say the storyline for this team is the free throw line. It is the free throw line for sure. Last season, we were 13th in the Big Ten in free throw attempts. 13th. Okay. We were 11th in free throw percentage. Okay. We were at 14.3 attempts per game. Guess out of 361 D1 teams, guess where we were? On attempts or percentage? Our, uh, this is this is a well. This is strictly attempts out of 363 teams. Where do you think we landed? 350. Yeah, that's actually really good. At 345 out of 300. Wow, that's horrible. I'm not happy. I got that right. <laughs> 345th out of 363. So, Yikes. and you look at how many again with those close games, where. Look how, like, if we get to the free throw line a few more times, you know, guard, guard said in a press conference, too, his goal is to get to the free throw line 25 attempts per game this year, right? So that's a big jump, obviously. So if we can wow. do that, I think we're going to, I think we're going to, you know, do good things. So with that being said, you know, the key call-outs with this season, right? We get Tennessee at home next Friday. We play, we have that three-game stretch with Marquette, Michigan State, Arizona back to back to back. We then we do get Virginia in the holiday tournament. I don't think they're going to be quite as good, but you know, it is what it is. We do play Michigan state twice and we play Purdue twice who are also favorites in this conference. I think this season is absolutely loaded. That being said, we are going to be battle tested come big 10 play. I think we're going to have a very good year. I have from my head, this is from my head. I have 24 and seven overall, 15 and five in the conference. And we're going to be in that top three, three gap um, for, for the conference. That's with my head. Should I say my heart right away? Uh, well, let's do the head ones first. Jake, okay, give me your recommendation from the head. So let's all take a second and appreciate what Mike just did because that was incredible. Laid out the stats. That was. That was very well done, Mike. You're becoming a vet. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> um, I wrote down their record last year. Um, they were 2015, 9-11 in the conference, 11-6 at home, 6-6 six and six away, and they were 3-3 three and three in neutral sites. <clears throat> so, I mean, this team wasn't a bad team at all. I yeah. mean, if you change a few things, Mike brought up the free throw shooting, which, like, really hurts my feelings because I hate when people miss free throws. I can I – can, I'm okay when Giannis misses a free throw because, like, he's, like, really, really fucking good at a lot of shit. So, if he's bad at one thing, I'm like, okay, at least I know he's not an alien, right? Yeah. But when the Badgers' entire team is bad at free throw shooting, that hurts, right? (laughs) That hurts. With that being said, 
God damn it, you make me want to change my record so bad, dude. I'm mad I wrote this in pen. Wish it was in pencil so I could erase it. I wrote I, I wrote 20 and 10. I wrote 20 and 10 for, for their record because of all those tough games. I mean, Marquette is number five, I believe. Um, I mean, Arizona is good. Tennessee's number nine. Yeah. Uh, Michigan State is always good. Always. Oh, yeah. So They're well coached. Yeah, when, when you have them twice, and I believe Purdue is number three, and you have them twice, I believe that we're, their, we're the last game of the season for them. Yep. They're our last game in Purdue. So that sucks because that's always a tough place to play. So, you know, with all those games, it's going to be tough. But I agree. We're going to be battle-tested going into uh, tourney play, uh, Big Ten tourney and hopefully NCAA tourney. And if we could take a couple of those games and beat the people who we're supposed to beat, I don't see why not, right? Yeah, so from the head, I actually have the same record prediction as Jake. I'm at 20 and 10. Nice. Uh, they face, seriously, an absolute gauntlet in the first nine days of December. They face three top 10 teams in the first nine days of December. That is yeah. nuts. That is nuts. <laughs> um, grow, up, grow up right away. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's up, Tim? Listening while he's at work. That's, uh, that's dedication right there. Don't get All fired, right. please. <laughs> uh mike score or your record prediction from the heart yeah so go you know we we literally just talked about it. i mean you think about like you know who we're playing at the beginning of the year i just think you know when it comes down to retention that's the main main word for this year's team you got 92 percent of scoring i just think we're more grown up this year and we're going to be ready to go sooner than later that's where where I'm going with this. I think experience matters, especially in the Big Ten as well. So my heart, I got I got tw- not too much of a difference, but I got 26 and five, 13 and three in the conference, and we're winning. We're winning the conference, or maybe tied right. for it. So oh my god, there's literally the zero. Dirty. There's literally zero reason why we should be at the top of the conference. I I mean I've stuck to this since the season ended. When you have this much scoring returning and you're basically bringing in another guy who can, you know, get to the bucket and potentially set up better shots for our guys who can shoot the three, like it's noted. I think that's going to set us up for success at the end of the day. So I just think that just brings up a bunch of opportunities for us. So I I think there's no reason why we can't be great this year. Uh, And I'll get to my my bold prediction later on. But uh, yeah, that's my record. Uh, Jake, what's your record from record prediction from the heart? <laughs> God, Mike is just cooking today. So <laughs> for me, I I put twenty three and seven. Uh, I think I think that we're going to take a couple of those early season tilts. I think that uh, we probably take one of the games against Purdue uh, from the heart, and I think that's going to set us up to be ranked in the top fifteen in the country at some point. So let's go, Badgers. <clears throat> that's close to mine uh from the heart i have the batters at 22 and 8 just looking for Ooh. a couple upsets during the season um yep. i would like one of them to be michigan state um yeah. and get a little uh yeah. get a little revenge on that because it felt yeah just i'd like to beat michigan state is my thing that's fair i mean just like yep. we want to beat ohio state in football we want to beat michigan state in basketball true true they're like they're the team in the conference right yeah right all right here we go. Spiciest part of our primers. Bold predictions. Mike, hit me with your first bold prediction. 
So this is going to be, we got, I'm going to, I say the Badgers are going to have at least one first team, all big 10 player oh. and one all first team def- defensive player. We're going to have one of oh, each. Okay. I like it. Jake, what's your first bold prediction? Mikey, these are supposed to be bold. You want me to show you how it's done? Sure. Go for it. Yeah. Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn are going to make first team all big 10. Ooh. Okay. I like it. Uh, my first one is not that spicy, I suppose. Uh, my first one is the Badgers sweep November. So oh, they play I actually like that. Tennessee, but five of their six games are at the Cole Center. Tyler, I have. Yeah, I like when I wrote my schedule, the schedule down, I was going through each one because Marquette's that first game, I think, in December. Yep. So, yeah, I have W's on all those as well. That's a good call. I like that. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. dad said final four. Yeah, that's a really good one, by the way. That's a good that's one. what I wrote. That's what I wrote. Yeah, that's my Is that next your second one. one. Yeah. <laughs> oh I mean, wow. Yeah, Final Four. Like again, the experience fa- like factors in to me so much. Look at the Final Four teams that we we've, we've put down in like in years past. What did they have? We had a bunch of experience, especially that 2015 team. Everybody came back. All the scoring came back. Now, is it the talent the same? That that's to be decided for this with this year's team, especially with the addition of AJ Store. But experience matters, and with Wisconsin being that program development type school, I don't see like it might be a bold prediction, but Jesus, I think this is going to be our best shot to get back there. Um, maybe versus like the next couple of years, especially when you got someone like Tyler Wall walking out the door after this year. That's fair. All right, Jake, hit me with your second one. Nolan Winter. Wins Big Ten Sixth Man of the Year. Oh, all right. I like that. I'm going to save my third one as Nolan Winter related, so I'm going to save that one. My second one is that Chucky averages over five assists per game. He averaged 2.8 last year, so I'm looking for Chucky to really grow as a distributor this year, and having some better shooters around him I think helps him that way. So adding a guy like A.J. Storr I think is really going to be crucial for Chucky Hepburn as well as the second year of Connor Asijan, and then guys like Max Klesman, Nolan Winter, even Gus Buss, uh, to have more shooters around him, I think is going to be really beneficial for Chucky. All right, Mike, hit me with your last bold prediction. All right, so last year, the Badgers in three-point, we were 12th in the Big Ten in three-point percentage, okay? I think we're top three in the Big Ten this year in three-point percentage. I just think, like I said, I think we're going to get way more open looks than what we're more accustomed to. Especially if you know we're looking to be a more up tempo team, more open rhythm threes potentially. I just think we're going to have better looks at at the three ball spot for sure. So uh, yeah, I think we go from twelfth of the Big Ten last year to top three in three point percentage. All right, Jake, what's your last one? If if you and Tyler, your bold predictions go together, it's going to be a good year. Um, and then that'll that'll help mine. And I'm about to say right now is Greg Gard wins his third Big Ten Coach of the Year award. Ah, I like it. That's, That's how you one. top that off. I love that. All right, so here we go. This I'm gonna triple down on what I've already said about Nolan Winter. This is gonna be the spiciest one that I've got. It's gonna happen sometime after New Year's. Nolan Winter is gonna take the starting job from Stephen Crowell. Oh, oh damn! Shit. Okay. Oh damn! Damn. <laughs> That's, just that's pure, really pure how talent I feel about Nolan yeah. I think he's going to be that good. Hey, that's fair. I like. We don't it. call that's him. Cool. We don't. We don't call him lukewarm. We don't call him lukewarm yeah. predictions. We call him bold predictions for a reason. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Hold All right. Crap. On that note, are you guys ready to switch to football? Still sticking with the Badgers. I'm always ready to talk football. Let's do it. All right. So here we go. Badgers, they lost to Ohio State, but definitely uh, a lot of encouraging things, I'll say. A lot of building blocks for the Badgers. So I'm going to start with our offensive power pair player. Went with Will Pauling. Uh, he had four receptions for 51 yards. Did have the Badgers only touchdown. I'll leave it at that. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some of the ins and outs of the games in our other segments. But uh, Jake has our defensive power pair player. Yeah, I went with Injog Meta. Um, part of the reason I went with Injog Meta is he was kind of on the outs with Fickle and Trestle. Um, he he didn't really have a role. Uh, one week he didn't even he played like one snap, maybe maybe zero snaps um, against Purdue on that weird Friday night game, which was still weird. I don't care. Yeah, that was weird. That was yeah. I didn't like that. Didn't feel like a game day to me. Um, I haven't had a feel like a game day on a Friday uh, for a long time. <laughs> so days. yeah, which the field looks a lot cooler, by the way. So thanks for making the field and, and the basketball court look cool. And they get all these new uniforms and stuff after we leave. So that's, that's awesome. Thanks. Um, but anyways, Ingjug Meta had 10 tackles, uh, six solo, one sack and two and a half tackles for loss. Uh, one of his tackles for loss, um, was negated by a penalty, a stupid, stupid bonehead play, by the way. I understand the emotions of the game are high, especially against yeah. a, a big opponent like that at home in a night game. And But it's like, man, you cannot do that, especially as a senior. Like, you got to know better, man. But uh, Injak Meta still played great. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Mike got to pick our underrated performer this week. So we could definitely could have went a, a couple ways with this, but I mean – Damn, it's so hard not to call him up. But I got Braden Locke as a as the UP underrated performer. Yeah. I mean, just for a freshman, we saw it last week. We saw it even at times against Iowa. The dude's got poise. Like he just yeah, and he makes smart decisions as well. I guess it might not be a completed pass or anything like that, but he makes smart decisions. You know, I wrote down some of his big throws, and man, what do we call third down? We call it the money, the money down, right? All of his, I wrote down four different occasions. Four, four of his throws were on third down. So before halftime, he converted. It was at, before we got that field goal. He converted a third and thirteen to Will Pauling at at midfield, which led to a field goal. Okay, that was a big third down play. Um, then the first, yeah, the first drive, he got the uh, the twenty yard pass to Bryson Green. The first play of the second half, that was another big one. I granted that was first down, but. Um, the third and six on that same drive, he got out for a QB draw for a 20 yard run. And great then play. the cap. Yeah. Great. Great job on him. And then on that same drive, that third and eight threw a no look ball. Mind you, yeah. to Will Pong. the dude looked like Aaron Rodgers slash Matthew Stafford with that. No look, not quite sidearm stuff, but <laughs> that was a big boy ball. That was a hell of a throw. And when you look at it, like you're looking at it from, you know, east to west or north to south, I guess, in this case. That was a tough throw, actually, to get it to Paul. Yeah. It was very it was a dime. Tough. Yeah. Like, that was one hell of a throw. Um, And then this, it was more so when we, we were down seven. This was also in the second half. Badgers were at for, from their th own three-yard line. It was a third and 15. First play out in quarter four. He fires a dime to Skylar Bell over the middle to get 16 yards. On your own three-yard line, down set or no, not quite down seven, I don't think, but 
you know, you're in like the thick of things, man. And if you can do that, completes a th- 15, 16 yard pass to bell to get out of, you know, the, the shit zone or whatever, um, you know, that's just a guy with poise and we've seen it, you know, against a couple plays against Iowa. We saw it against Illinois in his first start and we saw it again against Ohio state. He's going to put it together. I, I just, I have a lot of faith in this guy, but uh, he just keeps showing those moments of like being more polished than, you know, some of these other, you know, Wisconsin quarterbacks that we've had in the past that have made their first couple starts. So, um, you know, looking forward to seeing him uh, perform even more as the games go on. Let me, let me add something in real quick about Locke um, since we're on the topic. What a shit three games for, to, to like get into action, right? Yeah. You're thrown in against Iowa, who has one of the best defenses in the Big Ten in the country almost every single year. Yep. And they're physical. They come at you, and you're just thrown into the fire. Your first yep. start is at Illinois. And they're playing with attitude because they, they don't want to be treated like little brother no more. And then your first start at home is a night game against a number three team with probably the best defense in the country. Yeah. What a shit three games <laughs> to, to get thrown into. Like, kudos to, to Braden Locke. And, and any Badgers fan that says anything bad about Braden Locke these last three games, you don't know what you're talking about. Probably okay. crying about his completion percentage like they did Probably. with Jordan Love. But but you know what? These next couple of games, we're going to be playing some lesser opponents. Still Big Ten play. Yep. Still some winnable games. games. But yes. lesser defenses, not Ohio State's, not Iowa's. Yeah. So, Brayden Locke, you know, the no-look thing really gave me a lot of confidence that I did not that I did not need. But uh, we're, <laughs> we're going to see some shit from Brayden Locke, dude. So, Mike, in the Ohio State game, what did you see from the offense that improved? So, I kind of touched base on it last week. We're, we're seeing other, I'm going to call it receivers specifically. We saw, like, other receivers improve in previous games because you take a guy like Chimray DK, who was out, um, yep. you know, the second half and even prior, you know, to that or whatever. But Bryson Green, actually, you know, he only had two catches. I get that. But they were very two very crucial catches. I mean, first play, second half is what started that drive. Uh, it was a 25-yard catch uh, from Braden Locke that set us up on that touchdown drive. Uh, and then he had, an, in the fourth quarter, he had another 15 to 20-yard catch, which kept the drive going for us. He did, unfortunately, get – I think the Badgers got robbed on his third attempt with the pass interference call because the defender not only – grabbed him, but he also hit him in the face mask before he yes, went he down. Did. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. So I just wanted to call him out because he is definitely making an impact. He's starting to make an impact for us now. And if unfortunately, if DK can't go Saturday, I think we're going to see a lot more of him. Um, you know, besides, you know, the Willie Will Paulings of the world, the Skyler Bills, I think it's going to be his turn to, you know, step up because we have been asking for him to step up at some point. Right. But yep. I think slowly but surely he's getting there. Can yeah, we get him in the end zone, please? Please, yeah. can we get him in the yeah. end zone? Yeah, that could be this weekend. I, so. I think that's going to be the thing that kind of takes the top off for him and get him to, to relax a little bit is getting him in the end zone. Yeah. All right, Jake, what improved on the offensive side of the ball for you? I have carpal tunnel now, just so everybody knows. Um, but pass blocking. <laughs> So when I say these numbers, I'm going off averages, and I want everybody to take that into consideration and the opponent into consideration because Ohio State's offense and defense is always littered with first and second round picks that go to the NFL. So please take that into consideration when you're listening to this. 
So I wrote down six linemen's numbers, and I wrote down the sacks, the hits, the hurries, and the pressures. We gave up one sack, two hits, we gave up eight hurries, and we gave up 11 pressures. So those numbers can be skewed a little bit because of the freshman quarterback. A pressure can be can be because of the freshman holding onto the ball a little bit. The hurries, obviously, are just the line. A sack, a hit could be from the quarterback holding the ball too long or just, you know, a broken play. So I want you to take those numbers into consideration. Now, on average, we give up 0.7 sacks per game, 1.75 hits, 5.25 hurries, and 7.8 pressures. So I wrote down the totals, and I'm not going to lie to you. Some of these were making me kind of pissed off. I was like, yo, y'all got to step it up, okay? We talk about being O-line you. Talk about these gigantic humans walking out of corn mazes and slapping a W on the side of their head. Y'all got to be better, okay? <laughs> We've given up six sacks total. The leader in sacks given up is Nelson with three. We've given up 14 quarterback hits. There's two people tied for the lead with that with three. That's Nelson and Mallman. We've given up 42 hurries. Uh, Fertney is the leader in that with nine. And we've given up 63 quarterback pressures. I'm going to read everybody's quarterback pressures because they're all just inexcusable. Bordellini, nine. Wedge seven. Joe Huber, 10. Mallman, 12. Nelson, 13. Fertney, 12. 63 quarterback pressures. That is absolutely unacceptable. And then you wonder why we can't run the ball. You know, people aren't scared of us passing. They're coming right at us. The O-line has to be better. I think they were a little bit better against Ohio State. Now, again, Ohio State is just littered with five-star guys that go straight to the NFL, right? These guys aren't worried about going to school. I don't care what anybody says. (laughs) I I really don't. I know that Ohio State's, you know. uh, Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Has a good reputation, you know, for, for school and stuff like that. But these guys are not worried. These five-star guys, they don't go to Ohio State so they can sit in fucking calculus. Okay? They go to Ohio State because they're going to play there for three years, then they're going to go to the NFL and sign a big old check. I'm calling it like I see it. The offensive line was better, but there is still definitely room to improve. So for me, and I'm going to go back to Brayden Locke, I'm going to say Brayden Locke's touch. And this is, he is a freshman, and this is his first career start. All right, sorry, second career start. uh, First career start at home. But he looked a little bit less jittery, and he delivered some very, very nice passes in this game. Uh, we saw the one that he delivered to Skylar Bell in the in the Illinois game, but he made some really good passes. And I think without some of the plays uh, that Jake's going to talk about in a little bit, some of the drops, his stat line would have looked better as well. Uh, but just just where he's putting the ball, his ball placement, uh, I think was better uh, as far as Brayden Locke is concerned. 
So, Mike, on the offense, what do you think needs to improve from the Ohio State game going forward? Man, I keep harping on this, but it, it's it needs to be said, and this is something that's kind of on the coaching staff too, and I will explain. But it's play. We got to play clean. We we have to play clean ball. I mean, we get we stop them first possess first possession. Ohio State, we get the ball. What what do we do? We fumble it, right? So that's just part of it. Then we give up a field goal, right? It's just you know, and then we had two. We had a second fumble. Uh, we had, what was it? I wrote this all down. Uh, we had missed blocks. I called it out, out in the chat numerous times. The biggest one, the biggest missed block call, call out on my end was when that third and goal play, when we did the pitch to, to Braylon Huber pulled, but he tripped, he, what happened was he tripped over Fertney's back right foot is what it was. And then the play got, ended up getting blown up. So I was, yeah, I was watching that right before we started. And, uh, yeah, Huber was pulling, but he tripped over Fertney's uh, back, back right foot. And, yeah, Braylon unfortunately didn't get in the end zone, but uh, there was multiple times where there were there were missed blocks. Um, you know, we had and the big actually the biggest call. I'm sorry, I got another one. It was the delay of game penalty on third and five, which led to that ridiculous 54 yard field goal. Um, and I say coaching needs to you know we need to do better on that. Fickle even said it after the game that was it was his fault. He should have called the timeout. But there was a couple you know. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. We talked about it uh, on that delay game. Tanner should have snapped it when on that off when it was a potential offsides. Yep. Yep. And uh, so that's number one. Number two, obviously, Braden's got to watch that. Watch the the play clock. Yep. Number three, I mean, Luke, like Luke Fickle said, he should have called a timeout in that situation. Could have regrouped. You know, could have put us in a better position. Instead, uh, Nathaniel Vacos shoots up hits a or doesn't hit uh but kicks a 54 yard field goal which had the distance i think yeah. uh, but unfortunately didn't uh didn't go in in that 30 35 degree weather so you're you're almost kicking like a, a damn icicle uh from from that range and you don't know where it's going so um, we just got to clean things up man and uh I'm, I'm hoping at one one of these next four games we can at least play clean you know just you know don't shoot ourselves in the foot we've done it at least couple times every single game i think this year that's fair to say so it's uh, something that has to you know get better as soon as possible so uh jake what needs to improve for you offensively uh, what needs to improve to me is something that needs to improve for these wide receivers something that needs to improve for Braden lock to be successful mm-hmm. is drops good god am Hope i your brother out dude between saturday and sunday i could pull Every single hair out of my head. I am just so sick and tired of wrong routes ran, guys not running correctly, like not knowing what play, dropping the damn ball. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. Oh, God. I don't even like the passion that I used to yell at my TV for because I expected to win is getting beat out of me, to be completely honest with you, with every single drop that both teams have. And I'm gonna just gonna chalk it up to new offenses for one team, inexperience for the other team, and I'm just gonna take the L and I'm just gonna move on. I'm just gonna enjoy sports. But I'm gonna get to the bottom of this real quick. So Will Pauling had eight targets, three receptions, 48 yards, sick touchdown catch, but he had a drop. That is three straight games with a drop, four of the last five games with a drop. DK, one target. Zero receptions, zero yards, zero touchdowns, one drop. He got one target, he dropped it. Then he left the game with injury, sadly. Bryson Green, eight targets, three receptions, 49 yards, zero drops. Bryson Green was good. Skyler Bell, 
Eight targets, four receptions, 26 yards, two drops. C.J. Williams, three targets, one reception, seven yards, one drop. Five drops against Ohio State. If you want to beat Ohio State, you don't drop the ball. You don't fumble the damn thing. You don't drop the ball when it's thrown to you. You don't miss tackles. Oh, my God, I was so pissed off. Wasn't it? I know at least one of Skylar Bell's was a ball that he caught, but bobbled it and ended up being out of yep. bounds. Yep. Yeah. Brayden Locke was 18 of 39. People are literally going to cry about their completion percentage. What they fail to realize is if these drops don't happen, yes, that makes his completion percentage better. No, it doesn't make it outstanding. But the events that happen after those plays that could be caught – could lead to a substantially better completion percentage, right? Because yeah, then you might point. run a play, might run a play after that that plays off that. This play might set up this play. That's how football works: is you use stuff to set other plays up. These drops have to stop, dude. Like point blank, period. And Skylar Bell, if you're gonna get in the damn game, and you're you, he's been a big time playmaker for us out of the slot. The slot receiver is clearly dominating the Badgers' offense right now. Yeah, yeah. Between Will Pauling and Skylar Bell. If you're going to get in the game, you're going to be a game changer. Hang on to the damn ball. That's all I got. So mine isn't so much something that wasn't done well that needs to improve. It's just going to be something that's coming from a a situational deficiency. And this is related to Braylon Allen missing the second half of this game. So for me, what needs to improve is the run game. Now, like I said, this isn't to say that there's anything wrong, but it showed at second uh, times in the second half without Braylon Allen, the run game needs some help. And whether it be getting some more guys involved or Phil Longo needing to be a little more creative. So this, this kind of goes to what I said two weeks ago where I think the Badgers could end up passing more. Uh, we don't really know a whole lot about Braylon Allen's availability for Saturday. Uh, he didn't practice yesterday um i know that and that's about it um so i have to keep an eye on braylon allen's health if braylon allen is not healthy phil longo like i said is gonna have to get creative on how to use the run game and and maybe we'll see maybe we'll see a couple will pauling and Vinny anthony end arounds to see if they can get the run game going that way a little bit um or just some more like wide receiver screens or maybe Riley Nowakowski getting more involved at the tight end position. It's it's going to be all hands on deck for the Badgers offense if Braylon Allen isn't healthy. I would love to see more Will Pauling in the backfield. Yeah. Percy Harvin-ish. He kind of reminds me a little of Percy Harvin. Lights, lights went out when I said that, huh? That was too electric for you. <laughs> I would Harry say. Percy or what? Oh no! Will Will Pauling in the backfield with Skylar Bell, who clearly can be a playmaker from that that slot position, as I said, I think that could be something that could be electric. You you know, put Will Pauling in the backfield with Braylon Allen. Now you have the threat of a run or a screen pass or any type of pass because both of them can catch the ball. Yep. Yeah, Uh, Mike on the defensive side of the ball, what did you see that improved? Yeah, I mean, I guess like. Pressures and sacks, right? I mean, the pressure part of it, we ended up getting, it ended up getting multiple intentional grounding calls. I can't think of a game this year 
that we had that happen to playing anybody multiple, like not just one, but like two or three multiple intentional grounding calls. One of which I thought should have been a fumble. Actually McCord got bailed out on, uh, but instead it was intentional grounding and we had four, we had four sacks as well. Um, and it, and it was evenly distributed too. So, um, yeah. And I wanted to bring that up because it was against Ohio state. It's against a great team, but you know, when you do something such as getting the Ohio state quarterback to go and get multiple intentional grounding calls, I think that's something that needs to be said. So, uh, definitely did a better job in that part of it. Uh, so to speak, uh, Jake, what about you? What got better on the defense? So outside of Marvin Harrison Jr., who is the best college football player in the country, uh, the red zone defense, (laughs) future Green Bay Packer, um, the red zone defense was phenomenal, uh, in my opinion. Uh, The first time they got in there, uh, they had first and 10 at 17, incomplete pass. Uh, They had second and 10 at 17, uh, Xavier Johnson run for six. They had a third and four uh, at the 11, uh, trip trianum. Uh, ran for two yards to get to the nine. They kicked a field goal. So the defense held up there. Ben, don't break, right? Um, the second one, they had a first and five at the 19, uh, and offsides got them to a first and five. So they they passed the ball again on first and five and complete pass. They had a second and five, four-yard run by, by Henderson. Uh, this is where the unsportsmanlike conduct came in. And it was like, you know, we got him to, we got him to third and one. Uh, well, then, you know, obviously they get the first down with the unsportsmanlike interception happens right after that. And no, that was the real always pressing Zach Minabir for that. <laughs> a case. No, no, no. Up that to a case, man. A case. We got so lucky. A case of Keystone. Call it good. Yeah. he That that play kept us in the game single handedly. I'll yep. say that. Um, after that, their third possession, they had first and 10 at 20, uh, trying them again for a four yard run, and then second and six. Touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. He's really good. So he's good. Um, the second one, they had first and 10 at 17. Henderson for a loss of two. So the run defense showed up again. Uh, then second and 12 from the 19, another touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison Jr., who just was cooking in the second half of this game. So he's just a monster. So really outside of the extraordinary <laughs> of Marvin Harrison Jr. The red zone defense was pretty damn good. They stood they stood tall. Uh, for me, it was the turnovers. Uh, it's really it jumps off the page. The two interceptions and the fumble on the strip sack. The uh-huh. defense, I think they played better than the final score suggests. Um, <clears throat> and they only allowed four more points to Ohio State than Penn State did, and they're a top-10 team. Hey, facts. So, for me, it was the turnovers. Uh, Mike, going forward from Ohio State, uh, what uh, what needs to improve still? So we did bring this up at all last week as well, but it definitely needs yep. to be said. You know, the, the defense, you know, they played one hell of a game. I'm just going to make that clear. Uh, I think, you know, we, they put us in a great position to win. Let's just get that straight. With that being said, I do think our run defense still needs a lot of work, unfortunately. Um, you know, the big runs, and it was more so in the second half, I think primarily – there was just some big runs that Travion Henderson got in which we lost containment. I was a little disappointed, you know, just watching it over again that, you know, guys like um, Daryl Peterson lost containment multiple times. CJ gets did once or twice. Yeah. Um, it seemed like, yeah, a, a lot of the, those big time runs by Travion Henderson specifically, we lost containment on. So that's just, that goes back to, you know, being disciplined on that side, being more disciplined on that side of the ball and just not get sucked in 
you know, if you have to, you know, force them in. Right. So, you know, that's just something that needs to improve. And, you know, time and time again, we brought it up, but, uh, you know, going forward, we definitely need to stress that against, you know, teams like, like Minnesota that, that love to run the ball just as much as Wisconsin does to be quite honest, but, uh, it's definitely something that we need to monitor, I think going forward, because it's, I think it's definitely a glaring, um, weakness with this defense ultimately is uh the run d so we got to improve on that uh jake for you what needs to improve on the defense yeah i'm a little disappointed that i was right about that run d that run game for ohio state it's just so much different when henderson's in there man you saw it when anybody else was in there the badgers were phenomenal against the run man they were really locking that down but henderson in there he was taking out big chunks especially that last touchdown which obviously put the game away but what needs to improve is tackling. Uh, that could help the run defense. Uh, in total, we had 35 tackles, 15 assists, and we had eight misses. That's a lot. Um, one from CJ Getz, one from Austin Brown, one from Four Queen, one from Rodas Johnson, two from Njagmeta, and two from Hunter Wooler. Hunter Wooler didn't make as much of an impact as I thought he would, to be honest with you. Yeah. I thought he'd be, I thought he would have been a little bit better. I, th- I thought he would have liked to bang a little bit more with, with Henderson. But, you know, teach their own. But the defense, you can't be missing eight tackles. That's – Yeah. You're, drop, you're dropping five passes. You're giving up 11 pressures and you're missing eight tackles. That's how you lose a home game to a, a top three team. For me, and this kind, of, this kind of goes to the coordinator again as well, but it, for me it's the matchups. Um, I believe that Ricardo Hallman has done enough, uh, more than enough, to deserve the opportunity to shadow the opposing team's best wide receiver. That's and Jake Jake and Mike overruled me on the defensive power pair being Muma and John Meta. I stand that it should have been Ricardo Hallman because Ricardo Hallman, when guarding Marvin Harrison Jr., was targeted four times. Marvin Harrison Jr. had one catch for 16 yards. Ricardo Hallman also had an interception. So in four times that Marvin Harrison Jr. was guarded by Ricardo Hallman, they had the same number of receptions. That's a good point. <laughs> yep. Uh, stop, stop trying my guy Ricardo Hallman because he also broke up a pass. So looking at strictly the head-to-head of Ricardo Hallman and Marvin Harrison Jr., I think Ricardo Hallman was the better of the two. Strictly in there head-to-head. Overall, Marvin Harrison Jr. had a fantastic game because he took advantage of the rest of the Badgers secondary. Unfortunately, for Korean got picked on quite a bit. But Ricardo Hallman won this matchup between the two of them. Can we get him for two more years? Man, maybe not. Maybe one. Maybe one, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. He said. Thing. We're gonna have to get him. We're gonna have to get him back on the show and uh, convince him otherwise. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it, not sign for millions of dollars. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> get that. Get that. All of that nil money. Yeah. Right. So for me, yeah, it's Ricardo Hallman has earned the opportunity to shadow uh, the opposing team's best wide receiver to continue to show that he is what he's put on tape. All right, going forward, the Badgers are going to beat Indiana this weekend. Uh, Mike, what are you looking for from the Badgers' offense against Indiana? It's going to be a great opportunity for Braden Locke to cook. 
Uh, that's one of my, I'll talk about that later. Uh, sure. But case in point, especially, you know, we do not know, as you said, Tyler, we don't know the status report of Braylon. We don't know the status report of, of DK, but we still got other receivers that yeah, can contribute. But Braylon's the main guy, of course, that, um, you know, the reason why I brought up Braylon Locke. But it's going to be an opportunity because we we harped on it before. He played against Iowa, Illinois, and Ohio State. Yeah. Now we got four games, four very, very winnable games where I think he's going to get yeah. plenty of opportunities to absolutely, you know, let it rip. So I'm looking forward to seeing what, what he can do. Um, maybe not against a top, a top three team in the country, but those uh, mediocre Big Ten teams and just seeing what uh, what else can be brought to the table. I agree. Um so I'm going to jump in here on the yeah, Wisconsin I'm, I'm just going to see if I can find anything about Braylon Allen, so go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Um, so Wisconsin overs the Indiana defense. Indiana is a combination of inexperienced and just not very good, in my opinion. Uh, they're 2-6. and six. So their last win was versus Akron. They beat Akron 29-27 in four overtimes. They scored 29 points in four overtimes versus Akron, dude. Damn right. Mac schools. <laughs> Since then, they have four losses. They lost to Maryland, 44 to 17. They lost to Michigan. Michigan's good, number two in the country, 52 to seven. They lost to Rutgers, a team that Wisconsin already beat, 31 to 14. And then they lost a close one by nine points to Penn State, 33-24. So in total. They've given up 160 points in the last four games. That's an average of 40 points per game. Sheesh. They've also scored 62 points in the last four games. That's an average of 15 and a half points per game. Nice. I like our chances. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, but they have a they have a a ball hawking cornerback duo. I'm gonna call them uh Lewis Moore. He's a senior. He has 38 tackles, one forced fumble, two interceptions, and a pass defense. And they have Philip Dunham. He's a sophomore, 31 solo tackles, three interceptions, two passes defense. Those two combined have five of the team's seven interceptions. So Braden Locke is uh, going to avoid, like he did last week against Ohio State, throwing an interception. He's going to have to watch out for these two because they're definitely looking to make a difference on the game. So. That's what I got on Wisconsin overs Indiana defense, man. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing updating about Braylon Allen. There's nothing out there, so uh-huh. it's going to be something we we'll have to keep an eye on as the rest of the week goes on. For me, <laughs> Braylon Allen missed the second half of last week's game, and he still leads the Big Ten in rushing. That is insane. <laughs> uh, the Badgers need him healthy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, other than that. Indiana averages 1.7 sacks per game and only 5.61 sack percentage. So I think the Badgers will have a good opportunity to keep Braylon, uh, Braylon, Braden Locke upright. So that's what I'm looking for from the offense specifically. Uh, Mike, what are you looking for from the Badgers defense? So it, it was kind of, I, I was going back and forth with this because, uh, you know, Indiana, they passed for, yeah, 260, Soresby, he passed for 269 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, right? One of those plays was like on like a 95-yard, you know, scamper for a touchdown. But the one thing I did want to call out, um, 
Indiana did run for 122 yards last week, minus the sacks that were, you know, ta- were given or taken or whatever. 122 yards. I honestly think they're going to try and do everything that they can to establish a run against us, mm-hmm. uh, for obvious for obvious reasons that we kind of just brought that I just brought up before. Yep. So that's what I, I'm looking at. So we, it's just another week, another opportunity for us to stop the run. And mind you, Penn State was only giving up 75 yards a game rushing to going into that game. So uh, the fact that they were able to still do that, um, that definitely sticks out to me quite a bit. So uh, that was a one big, big call out. I think they're going to try and establish a run on us and uh, they're not going to throw to a uh, Rico Island, so to speak. So uh, yeah, we got to stop the run first and foremost against these folks. Let and me I guess this out there. Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I was okay. I was just going to say, and there's also a little uncertainty, uh, on this offense, um, Coach Allen, he just brought in a new offensive coordinator about a month, month and a half ago, Rod Carey. And not to mention, you're also, you also got your backup quarterback playing too. So um, definitely not not the greatest year for Indiana. I believe we've won 14 out of the last 15 matchups as well against these guys with the, with the one loss being back in the COVID year in 2020. So, um, yeah, see what we can do. I'll throw this out there on the subject of the rushing yards against Penn State. Uh, was a wallop, so I will say I do think it's possible that Penn State. I don't know this because I didn't watch the game, but I think it's possible Penn State was playing for the pass a little bit more, which was allowing Indiana to maybe rack up some rushing yards because they were facing lighter boxes. Again, I don't know this for a fact because I didn't watch the game, but just something I would throw out there as a potential possibility. Um, you know, just that not that I don't think Indiana is capable of it. But not that they're just out here just putting up big rushing yards on top 10 teams. Um, Jake, what are you looking for from the Badgers' defense? I'm looking for them to continue the trend of getting turnovers. And the thing that I'm looking at is, Mike brought it up because I was trying to do my research. It sounded like Mike this week. They have a new offensive coordinator. (laughs) So I found that out doing my research. And they have two freshman quarterbacks that have taken uh, most of their snaps. So you have some inexperience on the play calling side, some inexperience on the execution side. So I'm really looking for the Badgers defense to kind of take advantage of that. The rush yards thing against Penn State, it's an anomaly. That's the way I'm looking at it. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do that against the Badgers. I think the Badgers uh, are going to get an earful about the rush defense that gave up a, a lot of yards, missing tackles. And to Mike's point about playing a clean game, I'm just looking for the Badgers to play a clean game on the defensive side. Give Locke the football. Let him figure it out on the fly. I think we'll be okay. All right. For me, uh, looking at it, this is kind of touched on a little bit, but Indiana has the second lowest points per game in the Big Ten. 18.6 a game. Wisconsin allows 19. Uh, Indiana's leading rusher is 19th in the conference. And though Brendan Soresby, he has six touchdowns in six games, in five of the six games that he has played in, he has not exceeded 19 passing attempts. Oh, shit. That's a good stat. Yeah. Um, He does have three straight games over 10 rushing attempts, however. Okay. So that could be a factor. This could actually end up being somewhat of a similar game towards Rutgers, where their quarterback does have a little bit of running ability, but just isn't always looking for it. <clears throat> which is going to tie into some of my uh, some of my other stuff when we get into some of the, the other segments. So, Jake, how does the weather look? Weather looks really good, better than Wisconsin, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, 
mind you, when people look, re- listen to this weather report, remember, it's a weather report. I don't have to be right about this, okay? Because they're not right about this. <laughs> well, <laughs> this I is mean, just what I'm reading. What I'm reading is that, 63 degrees, partly sunny, wind southwest at nine miles per hour. It's a oh, cold wow. day, man. I, 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 would, I would love one of those days again. Just give me one. What can I? <laughs> Sounds like a 300-yard day for Braden Locke. Hell yeah. All right, Mike, what's the matchup you're watching? I said it earlier. It's Brayden Locke versus the this secondary. I think mm-hmm. like I said, I it's gonna be an opportunity for him to we're gonna see we're gonna see let he's gonna be able to cook. He's got he's gonna have the opportunity to cook. Let the dude cook. I think he's gonna go. I think he's gonna throw for 300 yards. That's I think that's what's gonna happen. Ooh. Even if Braylon Allen does play, he's not hundred percent. I just think we're gonna get we're gonna see a lot more opportunities, and we're gonna see yeah against a less than impressive Big Ten team. We're gonna get all the opportunities in the world. I'm looking forward to seeing what Brandon Law can do. I like it. Two weeks ago, I was saying the same things, and I was wrong. But if Braylon Allen looks, he, I don't know. We'll see. Jake, what's your matchup? I have Braylon Allen versus their number one linebacker. Probably their number one defensive player, Aaron Casey. Uh, Aaron Casey on the year has 69 total tackles. Nice. Nice. 47 solo, 22 assists, three and a half sacks, one forced fumble, and two passes defense. This guy's all over the field, man. Uh, yeah. You know, when you're looking at just purely numbers, I haven't watched any Indiana games. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I don't, I don't wake up on Saturday morning and be like, let's go Hoosiers. Yeah, I can't wait to watch Indiana. Yeah. Eh. Or that but overrated anyways. basketball team. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> they are. Um, but, you know, this is just going to be a, a banger. Um, we obviously know that Braylon Allen is very important to this offense. And, you know, you find out a lot about a guy when they're hobbling and they're hurting and, you know, everything hurts on their body when they get tackled, when they walk normally. We find out a lot about Braylon Allen. So we're going to see what he's got. Uh, for me, I'm the only one that has the Badgers defense. Matchup. I'm looking for the Badgers middle linebackers, mainly Jake Cheney and Muma and Jong Meta versus Brendan Soresby. He does have three games over 4.5 yards per carry. Oh, okay, interesting. And I'm going to tie that right into my key of the game, which is going to be stop the run and trust your secondary. Uh, so this is where this ties. I'm bringing it all together now, where I'm saying the matchups. You trust your secondary. Ricardo Hallman is proven to be a stud this season. And we know that the run defense needs some work. We know that Indiana's quarterback has a little bit of running ability. Put an extra guy in the box. Stop the run. Trust your secondary. That's my key to the game. Mike, what's your key to the game? I'll keep harping on because I brought up the rushing yards before, but I think keep Brayden Locke on two feet. Keep him on his two feet, right? Mm. Jake brought up the stat, the humiliating stat with all those QB pressures and hurries. We got to put an end to that as soon as possible, starting this Saturday. So give my man, Brayden, a clean pocket. We've seen the poise already against three of the tougher defenses for sure in the Big Ten, two of those three for sure in the country. So just keep my man on his two feet and just let the dude cook. (laughs) Simple as that. Jake, what's your key to the game? All right, this is a good one, so I hope you guys like this. Put in a lot of work for this one. Had to do some math and stuff. Didn't like it. 
<laughs> my key to the game is extending drives. In games that we won, the Badgers third downs, they were 38 of 75. That is a 50.6%. In games that they lost, they were 14 of 47. That is a 29% third down percentage. Oof. The Badgers, plain and simple, have to extend drives, pick up the money down, and that starts with the offensive line. You guys have to freaking dominate. No, no more of this pressure bullshit. No more of this quarterback hit bullshit. It's time to act like you're 330 pounds. Got it? That's what I would say if I was in their face. And then I would treat them like, who is that defensive tackle from the, the Jaguars? Remember that video where he said, slap me, slap me, wham, wham. And he's, the coach is literally like 5'9", but he's putting all 5'9 into those slaps, man, just giving it to him. That's what I would say to those linemen. It's time to act like you're 330 pounds and slap them all in the face. Piss them off a little bit. All right, Mike, give me a score prediction from the head. I got to give one more special te- uh, special teams call. We need to go a game without kicking the ball out of bounds. Oh, right. my God. I'm that was like it. we've, you know, we just gave Ohio State the ball at the 35 to start. We've done it numerous times, you know, throughout the season. So I'm just throwing that out there real quick. So I'm going to go off of if Braylon and DK are healthy and are playing. That's what I did this off of. From the head, I did 27-17 batters. What you Jake, what about you? you oh, all right, okay. I'll go. Mine's not far off. Mine's okay. I have 24 13. A little bit lower. Wow. So I was looking at their, their previous four losses, and I'm looking at the trajectory of this Badgers offense. And you know, I'm gonna give an update on the, on these scores here, but I'm always a little bit above you guys. I think Wisconsin's dominating on Saturday. We're gonna wake up, it's gonna be 11 a.m. start. We're going to start our Saturday off with a 36-17 to 17 Wisconsin Badgers victory. I like it. You couldn't just go the, the extra two points and give them the true Wisconsin 38 I know. I thought about it, but I was like, nah, we're probably going to get a couple field goals. <laughs> All right, Mike, what's your record prediction from the heart? Yeah, I we cover the spread. It's down to nine now, too, by the way. But anyway, I got 33-14. I just think if we can keep our keep our guys protected – we're just going to have those opportunities and plenty of time to throw the ball. You know, it's I, stars got a line at some point. Fickle said, we need to be playing our best ball at the end of the year. It's going to the last half. It's going to be a great opportunity to get receivers specifically more confident as well. Uh, with all the drops that we've had this year, I think this is one of those games where we could really bounce back and, uh, you know, just cook and get, you know, 33 points and uh, get ourselves a big, big win on the road. Like it. All right, Jake, what about you from the heart? My prediction from the heart is 34-13. I don't see any way that the Indiana Hoosiers really challenge the Badgers' defense. All right, from the heart, I have 27-9. to This is the Badgers keeping Indiana out of the end zone completely, holding them only to three field goals. I like it. Bold. <laughs> I like it. <clears throat> All right, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Talk about Badgers as always. I'm sure we'll have you back next week. We only have one Badger basketball game, but we will also have a Badger football game next week. Other yep. than that, thanks for joining us for the primer. That was definitely some good uh, content in there. And we will see you next Wednesday. Go Badgers. Big game against UW Stevens Point tonight. So uh, oh, yeah. going to get some feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, the biggest there, game but... of the year tonight. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, opening night next Monday against Arkansas State. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to a great year. Get us back in the NCAA tournament and make a Final Four four run, just like that bold prediction. So, uh, yeah, let's get her done, boys. On Wisconsin. Have a good night. <laughs> All righty. See you next week, Mike. Later, buddy. Later. <clears throat> All right, so Jake and I have one segment left. We have three Milwaukee Bucks games. Uh, first, Jake, give me your power pair and your underrated performer, and then we will rattle these three games off and conclude an action-packed episode. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Bucks. We're gonna slide you right into the pregame show for Bally Sports Wisconsin, and then we're just gonna go on with the rest of our night watching Bucks basketball. So today, Sounds after lovely. we got out of work. Oh, my God, what a fantastic day after we got out of our shitty job. Right? Sounds perfect. <laughs> so, power pair. Uh, I feel like we're going to be doing this a lot. We're going to be trading power pair, at yep. least two guys. <laughs> yep. So, this week and the first week of the season, I ended up with Giannis Adetokounmpo. Uh, 27.3 points per game, 10 rebounds, 2.7 assists, <clears throat> 1.7 blocks, one steal, and he shot 55.4% field goal percentage. But he can't make free throws. I don't give a shit. He does everything else good. Okay. My next we'll guy. Free throws too. We'll talk about that too. Yeah, we will. We will. My next guy. Oh my god. If if Giannis was literally not a person, bar none, my favorite player on the team, Bobby freaking Portis, dude. And I don't know why, but uh, we always walk around the house. You know, when when Bobby gets like a, a big bucket, like he did uh, last night. And, you know, he he shows the face. Oh, I mean, Monday night. Uh, he, he shows the face. It's like, Big Bobby. And then me and my son are just well, saying Big Bobby for the next hour for no reason at all. But uh, <laughs> just a little story time. Big Bobby, 12.7 points, six rebounds, two assists, uh, 0 0.7 blocks and steals. And he's shooting 60% from the field. He hasn't made a three-pointer yet, but the touch will get there. He's too good of a shooter to, to not make a three. Yeah. Um, my underrated performer, uh, Jay Crowder, dude. I feel like this is the guy that's going to be the underrated performer of the year. Um, great pick. Yeah, I'm so happy that you're on board with that. And I yep. know that if I didn't take him, you would have taken him because he was just barring on the most underrated player. Yep. Um, six points, four rebounds, two assists, 0 0.7 blocks, one steal. He shot 46.7% from the field. The thing about Jay Crowder that I appreciated this week, and we're going to get into more, is his his decision making was fantastic. Yeah, love the Jay Crowder pick for the underrated performer. Yeah. Um, as as for the the power pair, the other guy you're talking about, it's Damian Lillard. Uh, he yeah. did have one game where he struggled, but mm -hmm. you look at his career, he essentially he has basically one game like that a year. Mm -hmm. So just get it out of the way right away. But over the last week, he averaged 23.3 points, 5.7 rebounds, and 4.3 assists. Uh, the thing with Damian Lillard that really catapults him into this power pair is his 93% free throw shooting. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that in the individual games. But my other uh, power pair player, I went with Brooke Lopez. He mm -hmm. averaged 12.3 points and four rebounds last week. Uh, unselfish on the rebounds as always he's a he's really unselfish about letting the ball bounce so that a guy like Giannis or Dame or even Pat Connaughton can grab a rebound and start the offense <clears throat> that's a really underrated part of Brooke Lopez's game even though we have been talking about it it feels like for three seasons yeah for real dude um 
Other than that, he was also 46.2% on threes. And in my opinion, he was the Bucks' best offensive player in the first half against the Hawks. Easily. Ah, uh, Bobby was pretty good. I think first half, I think it still was Brooke. I think he had like 12 of his 15 in the first half. I mean, they were, they were both good. But, I mean, Brooke had seven, was responsible for seven of the first nine. But when you watch the highlights, he was he's unplayable. Right, Tyler? Yeah. Give me a break. It simultaneously does and doesn't surprise me how volatile the approval of Wisconsin sports fans sways. Bro, it's just unreal. It's just unreal, dude. People people seriously need to watch our show more. Like I, Yeah, and I'm yeah, I, I'm not trying to toot our horn either, but like it is honestly ridiculous that you are three games into a season, right? And they want to talk about, oh, a team that's won a championship needs time to grow together. Yeah, dude. It's an entirely new offense. It's an entirely new defense. We just yeah. got a brand new superstar player. Like, did you not watch the NBA for the last 10 years? When new when superstars get together, they're used to playing a certain way. Yep. Now they're like, wow, this guy's really good at this, so I can't just go do this. They're going to need time to mesh, dude. Giannis and Damian Lillard have never played with a player as good as Giannis or Damian Lillard. Yeah, so it's, it's going to take time. And that, that's not even, like, disrespectful to Chris Middleton when he's on fire. That's not even disrespectful no. to, to Drew Holiday when Drew Holiday's on no. his best day. They are both they've, – they've both been to a few All-Star games. Damian Lillard is, like, seven-time All-Star. He's a top 75 player ever. Like, 75 yeah. – out of thousands of players that have played in the NBA. Yeah. He's one of them. Like, yeah. he's fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, my underrated performer is the aforementioned Chris Middleton. Uh, he yes. played two games out of the three. He played 16 minutes and 17 minutes. He had four assists and five assists. Both of those led the team against Philadelphia and Miami. And he also averaged one and a half steals over those two games. Yeah, he's going to fit into his role absolutely seamlessly. Dude, and I don't, I don't think was... Chris Middleton gets enough credit for, for getting steals. No, he doesn't. He doesn't he also doesn't get enough credit for his playmaking. But that's, that's yeah, hundred percent. We're used to we're used to that. Oh, well, people people complain because he has a couple turnovers a game because he handles the ball a lot. And he's not a flashy dribbler, but he's not this horrible ball handler that people make him out to be either. Just because he has a couple bad turnovers a game. Well, if those same people are going to point out Chris Middleton, that then I don't hear the same energy for Jalen Brown, uh, who just That's got a three hundred million dollar contract. That dude I mean, cannot dribble with his left hand to save his life. He literally cannot go left. Like he's, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to be Chris Broussard, but <laughs> I was going to say something pretty yeah. rude about him. Okay, yeah, and like you said, Chris Middleton doesn't get doesn't get enough credit for his playmaking. But let's talk about it. Let's start with the 76ers game. Uh, I was there. Super fun to be at. But uh, yeah. let's start up to you from the, the Bucks and 76ers. Oh, no, 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 no. You were there. So whoever goes to the game gets the lead. So you lead. I'm following you on this one. I'll start tonight. All right. All I'm going to say is I'm just going to leave you with scraps and I'm done. You do what you got to do. I, I, All can, right. I can work so, with scraps. First thing that I notice in this game, and it comes up a couple other times during this week of games, is Damian Lillard's pick and roll passing is on point. 
he will thread that needle between the two defenders who go to double team him off the pick and roll every time. He's threading that needle. He's throwing that little side spin pass. Mm -hmm. It's getting through that perfectly into the hands of the roller every time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I noticed Jay Crowder was the first substitute of the game. Um, The new offense, we knew that Giannis was going to be setting a lot of screens for Dame. We saw a couple times where Brooke and Giannis went to set screens for Damian Lillard. What we've seen a couple times, though, that we did not anticipate was Damian Lillard setting screens for Giannis. Yeah, that's... That's just rude. Eh, I don't know what you do with that. <laughs> um, Damian Lillard did play 8 minutes and 23 seconds to start the game off. The Bucks scored 30 points in the first quarter. Nobody had more than 5, and all 9 players that checked in scored at least once. I like that. Um. <clears throat> Bobby Portis came in and immediately started playing with that edge that Steven Watson told us about last Wednesday. Yes, he did. Um, the Bucks moving the ball with passes more than dribbles, which is very encouraging. And then Marjan Bochamp playing really good defense on Tyrese Maxey. Uh, the Bucks in the second quarter went on a 21-5 run that was followed by a 12-0 Philly run. Um, and the Bucks did run a lineup with Giannis Denacumbo as point guard. And what I will say, this is something that stood out to me across the week, but I put it in my notes for the the 76ers game because it was when I first noticed it. Uh, Adrian Griffin runs longer rotations. Yeah. His rotations seem to be four, five, six minutes as opposed to like three, four, five. Yeah. Uh, his rotations just run a little bit longer. And I think that's where the we'll see the uptick in minutes per game for some of the starters and the, the upper level rotation players. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Second half, I did notice something that I think we'll need to improve on the Bucks defense. Uh, it could be an adjustment game to game, or it could just be an in-game type adjustment, is the Bucks have to work on defending the high pick and roll. Uh, the 76ers got a lot of open threes out of it, and it's what allowed them to close the gap. Um, maybe that, you know, in the future that's switching, uh, switching those screens so that the uh, the 76ers, like Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey, um, and even Kelly Oubre, we're able to get a lot of wide open threes uh, from the top, uh, basically straight on three point line. Yeah. <clears throat> then we get to the fourth quarter. Bucks responded fantastically. They got they got down one hundred two ninety four. That's not the fantastic part. They got down by eight points and responded with a nineteen to two run. That's the fantastic part. Yeah, a nineteen to two run after getting down by eight in a game they led by twenty points. Um, my things with this game, the upgrade of Damian Lillard at the free throw line was at full display. Uh-huh. Uh, Drew Holiday had his best free throw shooting season as a buck last year. And Damian Lillard still shoots 10% better than that at the free throw line. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> um, and Damian Lillard, I can't believe this has to be said. Damian Lillard had the most points in a Bucks debut and the fourth fourth most points in a new team debut in NBA history. That does not diminish Giannis Antetokounmpo's like greatness on the court. Stop it. Yeah. The fact that we literally had people asking do we still trust Giannis in late game situations is just foolish. Um I will say on the subject of Giannis, he needs to not settle for jump shots, and that's going to be a consistent theme. Yep. And then 
two last things. One, Damian Lillard talked about it in his post game that fans cheering for him helps him to forget previous plays. So it helps him be present hearing that. And that's uh that's just that's just good stuff from Damian Lillard, him being present in the moment. Uh it's something that I know fans, you know, may not quite understand why that's important. But let's say Damian Lillard's having a game like the Hawks game, but say that game's a one possession game and Damian Lillard's shooting two for eleven. Mm-hmm. He's still Damian Lillard. He's still a guy you trust taking last shots. He's yep. not going to be thinking about the nine that he missed. He's going to be thinking about the next one that he's going to make. Yeah. That's that's where that mindset thing comes in. And, and like I said, being present. Um, and the last thing I'll say, <clears throat> Joel Embiid did not look like he wanted to be there. He did not look like he wanted to be playing basketball on Thursday. His body language was garbage. It always is, in my opinion. And... And this is what I'll leave this at is that we, as as Jake and I, Wisco fanatics, we have a lot of respect for Tyrese Maxey and not a lot of respect for Joel Embiid. Sorry. Yeah. If you're a 76ers fan, sorry. I don't really have respect for Joel Embiid, his play style or the way he carries himself. So I'm I'm not sorry for that. The guy cries on the court and off the court, he literally cried so much. What do I have to do to win an MVP? Well, they gave you one now, so shut the fuck up, okay? Big giant baby. I just, oh, my God. You know, I texted you the other day during the Hawks game. I was like, dude, I literally don't know who I hate watching more. Trey Trey Young, who just gets every every call for no reason. Yeah. Or Joel Embiid, who is 300 goddamn pounds, and he just flies around like he weighs 100 pounds, and he's a white yeah. piece of paper. It's like, dude. Use your damn size. I'm just – I'm sick and tired of that. He needs to stop that because he, yeah. he could really dominate. And I know yeah. Shaq has talked about it before. Joel Embiid has the, you know, the ability, athleticism, and the size to absolutely run this league. Like, I'm not even shit when I say that. Get him out of Philly first. Probably where your shitty mindset starts, being in that crap hole city. Yeah, I hope somebody from Philly comments on this video. I'll come at you. I don't give a shit. But sad news, uh, Bob Knight passed away. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, damn, man. We just trashed all over Indiana. <laughs> damn. Well, it'd be like that sometimes. Hey, man. Ah, he's throwing chairs up in heaven, though. <laughs> hey, that's all right. <laughs> Bob Knight was awesome, man. I wish I uh, wish I could have watched him in his prime, dude. He would have been a, been a hoop, man. Especially in the social media era, dude. He would have Oh, man. man. He would have went wild. But I'm going to get to my points real quick. One, Damian Lillard's clutch gene and free throw shooting were imminent in this first game. The step back that he hit on Kelly Oubre, I was literally shook. I was in my seat like, you know what I was doing. I was jumping up and down screaming, too, because I was like. I was literally shook, like hands on my face, like could not believe what I saw. Right. What's up, James? How you doing, buddy? Um, so 39 points in your first game, the step back three, the 17 for 17 from the free throw line. He made 17 of the Bucks, 25 free throws. That is insane. <laughs> um, he does look like he's getting his quickness and his legs back uh, yep. more and more as the season goes on. So uh, people always think about Dame as the, the three-point shooter and the clutch. 
but his ability to get downhill, uh, get open shots for three-point shooters, and finish himself is something that goes goes unnoticed a little bit. So uh, wow. it was it was showing showing the good side uh, in this game. The Bucks defense was flying around. I loved that we were running full court pressure in the first half. Uh, that was almost as exciting as Damian Lillard's three-pointer. I'm not going to lie. I was like, thanking God that we were doing full. I was like, oh, my freaking God, dude. Oh, my freaking God, dude. I was like, do it. Yes. Like, that is something as this defense gets better, right? Because I wrote down the Bucks defense was flying around. They had some communication errors, in my opinion. And you can see yeah. them kind of having some of those breakdowns, you know, in later games that we're going to talk about too, you know, the Hawks and the, the Heat game. You know, we give up you know, a layup or a dunk or somebody ends up wide open on the three-point on the three point line. Those are things that they're going to have to work out. Yep. Again, th- we're going to be redundant for the first couple of weeks here because we have to. But people are going to get open because they're working through stuff with a new coaching staff. And this is the thing is that they will watch these games over more than even Jake and I will. All right. Like most of the games that we cover, I usually try to watch them all twice if I can. Yeah. They're probably going to be sitting here going through the reps over and over and over again. Right. To figure out where they they messed up in their system. Right. Um, so in this one, uh, I wrote down the bench stats for every game. And the bench has been really, really good. Uh, against the 76ers, they had 22 points. This is not including Bobby Portis, by the way. I, do, I don't include Bobby. I just do the rest of the bench outside of Bobby because Bobby's just a consistent player. Uh, one of our top five, in my opinion. So uh, the bench scored 22 points, eight. They had eight rebounds, four assists. They shot eight of 16, so 50%. And they were two for seven from downtown. So they made two of the Bucks' 11 three pointers. So, I mean, that's not bad when you look at it that way. But, you know, the 22, eight, and four from, you know, a bunch of guys that, you know, have to do it is a really, really nice thing. So bench production, uh, the defensive pressure, and Damian Lillard's. Clutch gene were the things, the top three things that I took away from this one. <clears throat> Last thing on the 76ers game, fundamental failures. So every year I track the three fundamentals, I believe, is making free throws, boxing out, and not turning the ball over. So I look at missed free throws, opponent points off turnovers, and opponent second chance points. Last year, the, the mark was 33.8. Mm-hmm. And this year it's a little higher. So the 2022-2023 season, they averaged 38 on those fundamental failure points, a little higher than it was after the 2021-2022 season. But <clears throat> this game, the Bucks were good. They did miss 11 free throws, which is ugly. Um, but 16 points off turnovers, that's pretty much at the ceiling of where I would want them to be. Only three second chance points for the 76ers. Hmm. which is very good. Uh, that total is 30 on the fundamental failure points. So the Bucks on their fundamentals did well against the 76ers. All right. So we got to get this one out of the way. It's not bad that it's sandwiched in between two good games, but uh, what's it up to you against the, the Hawks? Not a lot. It seemed like Atlanta wanted this yeah. one a little bit more. Uh, the they Bucks started 0-2, team... which I think is why. Yeah, they they were like, we got to get our first win. Uh, the Bucks' legs didn't look alive and awake uh the bucks didn't look awake really uh they made a little run in the first half uh when bobby portis came in bobby gave him a really big jolt of energy and he was he was balling he got he got it down to a a five-point game or or a one-point game i believe when he was still in but 
you know, overall the Bucks. Oh God, I'm just gonna go through some stats here. The Bucks shot 39 of 86. The Hawks shot 47 of 93. So they shot five percent better. Bucks 45. Hawks 50 percent. The Hawks shot 15 of 37 from three, and the Bucks were 16 of 44. So they were four percent better from the three point line, and they shot seven less. So I mean, that's just that's not great either. Um, they out rebounded us. They had 32 assists to 22 assists. Here's what here's where this starts to get ugly, right? They had 17 turnovers. The Bucks had 23 turnovers. The Bucks had more yep. turnovers than assists. Um, they almost doubled their turnovers to assists. Uh, they had 50 points in the paint to our 44. They had 25 fast break points to our seven, and they only missed four free throws just like us, but they made two more. I mean, really all around. I mean, Atlanta had a, had the largest lead of 31. So they they really came into Milwaukee looking to to get a W. But I will say the bright spot of this game, I mean, Giannis was really good. 9 of 14. He has 26, 11, and 3. Damian Lillard, this the game he struggled. Yep. Um, Brooke had 13. Beasley had 18. He played really, really well. Yep. Uh, Bobby had 12. And then the bench. 33 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. They shot 11 of 23 and 9 of 15 from downtown. Nice. That's that's really, really solid. So, I mean, positive is that the bench, you know, got some good minutes and they played really, really well. The downside is the starters did not play really good. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, Chris Middleton didn't play this game. as the first game of a back-to-back. Um, Bucks fans already being dumb about that, which is annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, why do we pay this guy if he's always hurt? Do you realize Bradley Beal hasn't played a game yet this season? Yep. And people wanted to trade Chris Middleton for Bradley Beal. So yeah, right. And he's going to be making more money than Middleton. For real, I was going to say he's making a lot more money. Yeah. So a couple early turnovers by the Bucks uh, led to a seven to two lead for Atlanta. Five of those points coming off turnovers. Like I said, Giannis, you got to be smarter than a dribble up three. With 20 seconds on the shot clock. Yeah. Don't don't do that. That's why when I made my stat projections, I put Giannis's three point percentage as NA because I literally don't want him to shoot any. I put it as NA as well. I didn't want to, I, like the open ones, yeah, sure. But like right. Oh, you're if not you're not an a dribble open, rhythm shoot shooter. Three in rhythm, but no, Giannis, you're don't we don't need dribble pull up threes with 20 it, seconds on the shot clock in a game that we're down by five. It's not a bad thing to say that. Like, Giannis, that's not your game, bro. Like, you you do what I said for a beat, man. Use your body. Use your size. That's what. That's how you dominate, dude. Do that. Yeah. <clears throat> so the Bucks were down 12 to 3 uh, at the first time out of the game. And I'll say this is the trade-off of playing closer on the perimeter is easier paint touches. And yeah. the Hawks really showed that. Um, in addition to starting four of seven on threes where the Bucks started one for seven. Um, I will say the Bucks did finish the first quarter on a 14 to five run and had the lead cut to six. Uh, in the second quarter, I'm Malik Beasley three cut the lead to one. But overall, the first half bad shooting turnovers and not their best defense uh, led to a 21 point lead for Atlanta. Uh, Malik Beasley was good to start the second half. Good defense, good hustle, hit a couple threes. The third quarter offense did pick up a little bit, but Atlanta's didn't slow down. Both teams scored 33 in the, in the third quarter. Um, and then after that, it was basically just reserves. Jake mentioned the 23 turnovers. I would really like the Bucks to be between 12 and 15. Yeah, that's livable. Right. 
Uh, that would be like my goal for them. <clears throat> um, they got to do better at the free throw line uh, and turnovers with the fundamental failures. Four missed free throws is better. That's much better. Uh, 22 points off turnovers for Atlanta is a lot. And 18 second chance points is a lot, a lot. Yeah. That totaled up to 44 fundamental failure points. That's a lot. Um, just a bad shooting night combined with the, the defensive system adjustment that is happening. Um, the Bucks ran a lot of double teams, which again makes those paint touches easier. Um, and then the uh, the big difference in Damian Lillard's game, 17 free throws against Philadelphia, zero against Atlanta. So that's one of those things where, you know, getting to the free throw line, getting some easy ones, seeing the ball go through the basket, stuff like that does matter. Yep. All right, last one, and then we'll get everybody out of here so we can go watch the Bucks game. Uh, what stood out to you from the Bucks and Heat game on Monday? Well, Dame and Giannis were much better. They were uh, yeah. they were ready for this one. Uh, yeah. First of all, the first thing that pops out in your brain is uh, Giannis dressed as the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, tremendous that he did the, the post-game presser with that on and was dead ass serious. Like he wasn't wearing a child's outfit. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but what else do we expect from Giannis, right? Every couple weeks, he gives us something else to be like, yeah, that's Giannis, right? Don't be scared. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> He's the best, dude. Um, Damian Lillard, 25 points, five rebounds, four assists. He shot seven of 14 in this one, so... Absolutely, a much better game. Um, Giannis, 33-7-2. Uh, Chris Middleton played in this one, 17 minutes. He had five points, two rebounds, five assists. Um, he's getting his legs under him. And you could see the fit, right? Um, I wanted to bring this up because, you know, I knew I was going to talk about top 75 player, top 75 player. What's missing in the middle there is a puzzle piece named Chris Middleton. You put that all together, you get one beautiful picture. Um, nice. Chris that was well done. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, not the greatest puzzle, uh, just just some meaty claws, but, you know, you get the picture. <laughs> Chris Middleton is absolutely the perfect third wheel for this duo, man. Um, he's a guy that understands Giannis. He's a guy that could also help on the perimeter with the shooting and playmaking with Damian Lillard. So, I mean, honestly, you can't think of a better dream scenario for Damian Lillard to be put in, honestly. Uh, there was an article written when he was traded here talking about and it was kind of it was a slight at, at Milwaukee. He said, "Right team, wrong city," but it absolutely is the correct roster. Yeah. Uh, this roster is built to win now. This roster fits with Damian Lillard's play style. Yeah. Uh, see you later, Tim. Uh, but you know, it's just, just it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I don't I don't want to keep harping on it, but dude, I cannot wait till Chris Middleton gets up to full speed because we are gonna absolutely pound some people, dude. Yeah. I can't wait for Middleton and and Dame to both have five, six threes in a game, and Giannis is just dunking on your center, dude. Yeah, it's going to be – oh, I'm just going to be laughing on my couch, dude. <laughs> but Brooke Lopez, um, 11.7 rebounds. Bobby, 16-8. and eight. Beasley, he took a step back in this one, but that's because Dame took a step forward, in my opinion. Um, he did struggle shooting the ball. He got some wide-open looks. He's not used to being that wide-open, man. Um, he will get used to it, though. Uh, the bench, 27 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. So here's where the game is won, and then I'll pass it off to you, my man. The Heat made a run in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Bucks 41 to 25. They did a lot of that damage, uh, with the Bucks kind of taking the foot off the gas, in my opinion. They hit some threes, um, but the game was tied after the first quarter, 28-28, if I, my memory is correct. 
The Bucks outscored the Heat 69 to 45 in the second and third quarter combined. Nice. Yeah. See, I'm telling you, just fine. <laughs> but that run of, and this is when the Bucks were really dominating their championship year too, is going into half strong, coming out of half strong, yep. kind of just blitzing you on both ends of halftime with, you know, killing you. You make your adjustments. We make adjustments to your adjustments, and we go into the fourth quarter with the lead. Um, and then we just ride our defense in, in you know, free throw shooting, which, you know, Chris Middleton used to be that guy, but Chris Middleton yeah. and Dame now are two very viable options. Brooke Lopez isn't yeah. bad either. Yep. Um, so 69 to 45 in the second and third quarter, that's where the game was won against the Miami Heat. Good and that's ball. where we struggled in the playoffs last year against them. Yeah. So this has been brought up, but Giannis starting the game on Jimmy Butler. Yeah. It's good to see. Um, Giannis scored the first 10 points of the game and then Miami went into a zone and Damian Lillard immediately hit a three. <laughs> um, AJ Green got a little bit of first quarter playing time with Marjan Bochamp missing the game with an illness. Uh, the Bucks ran an all bench lineup in the first quarter. Which is interesting. Uh, Bobby Portis, more energy off the bench. Four minutes in the first quarter, Bobby Portis had six points and three rebounds already. Hmm. <laughs> um, and then uh, a Javon, no, I almost said Javon Carter because that's the same initials. Jay Crowder got a three-pointer at the buzzer to end the first half to give the Bucs a 10-point lead. Ball movement in the third quarter was beautiful. Uh, the Bucs were doing a good job forcing the ball to Jimmy Butler's hands in the third quarter. Jimmy Butler finished with 13 points on 4 of 11 shooting and did not play the fourth quarter. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> campaign was given the bench a little bit of a boost with some threes in the fourth quarter. And then, like you said, the Bucs kind of took their foot off the gas. I wrote down that the Bucs offense slowed down with the pace and scoring-wise. Miami was able to cut the lead to single digits with 4.43 to go. Uh, the lead was down to six with a minute 20. Overall, the final score was not indicative of how the game went. So you did mention that uh, Damian Lillard bounced back. He finished. Um, he did only make two out of seven threes, which isn't great, but he did finish seven of 14 overall, which is 50% from the field, which is good. Uh, overall, fundamental failures, eight missed free throws, which I'd still like to see lower. 18 points off turnovers. That's really at the ceiling of where I'd want them to be. Zero second chance points for the Miami Heat. So 26 on the fundamental failure points, the lowest of the three games so far this week. And I will say that uh, Bam Adebayo not playing for the Miami Heat is a factor in that, um, which is a bummer because, um, as we say, uh, Jake and I, seriously, we Bam Adebayo is just another one of those guys that we have a ton of respect for. I love Bam. I hate that he plays for the Heat. I wish he I, would I and it's and it's like we could we could make we could probably make a starting five of really good players of teams or like a, a team of players that we don't like where they're playing. Yeah, like just for two. We talked about two of them today with Tyrese Maxey and Bam Adebayo. Love Tyrese Maxey, dude. If I mean those two, if they weren't playing in Philadelphia and Miami, probably be two of our favorite players in the league. And mm -hmm. Bam Adebayo, even though he is in Miami, is still one of our favorite players in the league. Yeah, he's phenomenal, dude. He doesn't yeah. cry. Yeah. He just Bam goes Adebayo. out there, does his job, dude. And again, dude, he's turned into a really good player since he's got that mid-range jumper, dude. He's yep. fantastic. And he carries himself well. And so does Tyrese yep. Maxey. They, they don't yep. have shitty body language like some other players that we've seen. And talked yeah, about 100%. 100%.
<clears throat> All right, if you stuck with us through the whole marathon of the Badgers basketball primer, the Badgers football, and the Bucks basketball segment, your reward is now you can switch over to another channel and go watch the Bucks game. I will say, <laughs> if you are still here at the end of the episode, nobody claimed the 5K follower giveaway on Facebook yet. So if you yeah. can go back through our content and find out what the 13-letter, three-word phrase was, for our 5,000 follower giveaway and comment it on the Wisconsin Sports What If episode. We got a whole bunch of stuff. We got a sweet Jordan Love card, a 20-pack of cards. We got a set of fan locks, uh, Giannis Tenacumpo pot figure, and we'll throw in some Wisco Fanatic stuff in there. So that is still up for grabs. If you can find out what the phrase is and go comment it on Saturday's video uh, where Jake and I covered some Wisconsin Sports What If mm -hmm. questions. Other than that, go Bucks. Jake and I will be back on Friday night talking about the Packers.